Welcome to another episode of Murray Pound Radio. This is episode 537. We're actually talking carpet pythons, Owen. How about that? On this show? That's weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, yeah. Tell me quality check. Oh, close that. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, we have we have Dominic Carboneau. Uh That's my French accent right there. It, um, it was perfect. <laughs> I, it was <clears throat> no notes. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Yes, we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be talking carpet pythons with him in a few. Um, but first. Um, there is one thing we have to do. Tar- Texas Carpet Fest. I got it right. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> you did. I I, yes. I wore this to try to throw you off the uh, Southern I, Carpet I, Fest t-shirt. Yeah, I see how you roll. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Although I don't have the date in front of me because I've come unprepared, Owen. And it's not on my other note. It's what not the- on my... Oh, wait. <laughs> so, uh, Come on, you got it. You got it. It's when I, I believe in you. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> it's October 14th. God damn it. All right. There you, you know, go. it's October 14th. What kind of there co-host lets me just hang out there like that? I mean, come on. Because I have to get I, it, it, it. It's training. You know, I can't just go in there and save you because then you'll expect it every time. I have to make sure that you, you know, can stand on your own. <clears throat> Listen, 14th, I won't be around yeah. forever. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll be gone before you. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, they're doing a silent auction. Um, so yep. if you uh, want to uh, get involved with that, uh, hit up Mike Taylor, and it's at Replandia, which just opened, by the way. Which yes. is pretty fabulous, man. And they, 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 they put there. out a video about the Komodo and all the stuff yeah. that they have there. Yeah, I'm I'm dying to go. So it's in Johnson City, Texas, and it's from what is it? Uh, three o'clock. They're cutting off at th- what's it? Three to eleven, right? They're cutting yes. it off at eleven. Yeah, obviously. Okay. All right. They they will not let you just run around at the zoo at midnight. I mean, guess what? You can't uh, bring <laughs> animals because it's a zoo. <laughs> yeah. It seems like people don't want you to bring your animals to their collections. Weird. Yes, weird thing. Also, make sure yeah. you check out uh, Cold Blooded Cafe. We have our NPR uh, affiliate link. Uh, gives you a what? Ten percent discount. Ten percent discount. It's code NPR ten uh, to get a ten percent discount off your order. Um, I actually just placed an order today because I am out of rodents, and apparently you need that for the masses. <laughs> Were we supposed to do an order together? Yeah, yeah, I got, I got extra. Don't worry. Just let me know what you need. We'll figure it out. Plus, this is going to be a reoccurring monthly thing. So, don't worry. I'll get you. It's fine. (laughs) (sighs) All right, enough jibber jabber. Let's let's get it on, Dominic. Here, and (laughs) let's start some carpets. I've been thinking about this all day. We haven't talked carpet pythons in a long time. So, what's up, Dominic? How you been? I've been pretty good. Thanks, and you? Good. Yeah. Good. 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 Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for coming Mm -hmm. on and. And uh, talking carpet pythons. We don't really talk a lot of carpet pythons on this show. You know, there's they're they're, they're, mis- they're a mystery anymore, to Owen. us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we've slowly turned transitioning into a boa podcast. So so yeah. I, I have on the docket. We're going to be talking about um, the uh, um, ocelot gene in mm. jungle carpets that you've been working with um, okay. you had uh, female j- uh, jungle also 
Uh, is it partho? Is it retained sperm? Um, we're not sure. We're going to stand into that. Diamond pythons. We got to talk that, right? Well, and what am. happened with your <laughs> with your season? I mean, yeah, you had uh, how many clutches did you produce last season? Uh, it was a very busy season. I tried for twelve. <laughs> <laughs> I, I only tried for twelve. Okay, uh, but eleven hit. So it made it, uh, it it made it a bit busy. Obviously, not as bad as uh, mm. somebody else in this recording. I so. Don't know what I mean. <laughs> I don't know who. I don't know who. Which, yeah. I don't know who you're talking about. I mean, Eric does need to take a step back. I mean, and calm down. But yeah, I don't even get how you could do that because you you're on a full time employment, right? You've got your full job and all that, and I'm kind of mm-hmm. the same way, right? And yes. uh, I don't even understand how you can take care of that many babies. Like I was, I'm always overwhelmed as soon as I hit over the hundred babies and holy crap, it takes time. I, I, I stopped counting because I don't want to know the exact number of how many babies hatched here. I got to like a hundred and I was just like, Oh no. And now we're just going to stop counting. So, so, so just as a curiosity, I'm like, where you're at in Canada, right? Yep. How does it differ as far as like the U.S.? As far as uh, is there like an outlet to to sell that? Is reptiles becoming more popular? Is um, it- like you go to a show, it's all the same thing as you guys. It's going to be leopard geckos, bearded dragons. It's going to be the common boa morphs, the ball python mm-hmm. morphs, and that's basically eighty percent of the show, maybe eighty five. And then you've got okay. all the everything else. So. Carpet okay. pythons is a dead thing in Canada. Uh, if I go there, I, I don't think I've bought a carpet python at a show in five, six, seven years because mm. there's no such thing as a carpet python with lineage or anything. It'll be, you know, like a jungle jag or it'll be carpet python, uh, like just written carpet python right. and you don't know what it is and that's about it. So there's nothing, I would say nothing of quality that you could find. That being said, there are, a very few amount of breeders here. Uh, there's one uh, good friend of mine, Don Patterson, which I know you guys have had on the show, and he's mm-hmm. probably the one that produces the largest amount. He produces around 150 to 200 carpets, so still a pretty good amount, but he doesn't sell almost anything to Canada because there's no market. He might sell less than 2 or 3%, which would be probably to me or one or two other people in Canada, you know? And so, and then there's me and uh, Shan Melanson that uh, breeds carpets in Canada. That's about it. I like it. Wow. Us, put, us three put together. I don't, I think there might be one clutch, maybe two clutches here or there. And that's about it. No one else. So really what's, what's the market there? There's almost none. Like there's like, I don't sell almost anything at all in Canada. I wholesale and I export and I didn't want to export. But uh, I had to learn how um, mm. because that was the outlet. And realistically, like I breed and I get a lot of clutches, but every clutch I breed with a purpose, which is I want that snake for me. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I get it. And then yeah. once I have it, then I have all the other ones that now I have to find a home for. But as a general rule, I, I can get them out pretty fast. Like um, I think I'm down to 25 babies left from this year which is really not a lot. And um, so 25 25 babies and I'm just in the process of setting up the last shipment to sell them all. But, you know, I'm, I'm happy selling them at half the price and letting them go. Cause I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I'm not a seller. I'm just a guy who likes 
playing with his, well, not playing, well, that sounds bad. Just the guy who likes <laughs> to take care of his snakes at his basement. Sure. So, so is it, so you said basically all 25 you, you expect are going to go with this other shipment and you'll just be oh, down yeah. to no babies with minus maybe your holdbacks. Yeah, I, I definitely okay. hold back. Like, uh, so out of the 11 clutches, I think I kept back about 17 or so. And okay. Which, okay. which is a lot, but it all depends on what you breed, right? So I, I right. hit on a couple of things. I don't know if you, I, I can go through it if you guys want to. Like, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I've been going, I've been trying to go for albino granite for a long time. I hit mm-hmm. it last year. The baby died within five or six days, which was horrible. This Wonderful. year, again, and my 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 pair is just a double head. So you're producing a lot of babies. You let's be honest, mm-hmm. you don't want. I'll have some albinos. They sell well. I'll have some granites. They sell well. But the sixty six percent possible double heads are undesirables, right. and it's really unfortunate. But you kind of have to go through that path to get there. Uh, so right. I finally I hit it again this year, and uh, this one is alive and has it taken a few meal and pretty happy nice. that I'm finally got there. Um, Good. I, so that was one of the clutches. I went through five clutches of jungles, which we can get to after a little later if you guys want to go through. Um, mm-hmm. This year was the first time I was trying to breed for snow, which is something that I don't get, but nobody breeds for snow in carpets. Um, it's weird. Like, I think there's one person in the States that goes for them and that's it. And I don't know why, like it's, it's a, really well, I, I, I know a guy that tried for snow for a while and yeah. you yeah, know, snow, snow kind yeah. of broke me. Um, I had yeah. this Xantic <laughs> and I could never get her to produce, man. And finally I got her to produce and I have a pair of double hets, uh, that's, just sitting there waiting to be bred because I, I don't know, like when you got, when I got into carpets, snow was like the dream, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, Oh my God, a white carpet Python. This is, this is going to be nuts. And yeah, you're right. It's that was in 2009, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'll, <laughs> that'll be after I get the hypo to breed, that'll be the next thing you're like, Hey, Owen, take these. And yeah, I'm like, all right, no, I'm so. going to produce that. I, okay. That, 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 that or die, to. die trying. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so. you, you know, you have those ones that you want to, you want to, you want to do. Oh, I know, so, okay. I know, so I know. you have a pair, so you have a pair of double hats. You said, uh, well, I had, um, <laughs> Two females double heads. One wasn't ready, one was. I have okay. a male snow, which is full snow, but he was uh, just hitting his two years old, right? So you're like, I'm going to try him, but I'll see. And I had a mature male double head. Um, the mature male double head would go one day, the other ones would go six days at a time, you know, so hoping, mm-hmm. but uh, the snow never hooked up with her at all. It was always the uh-huh. double head, of course. So, uh, produced a lot of a little bit of everything three what i'm going to call albinos two are extremely light one is much darker it makes you think maybe two of them are snow but honestly i think they're just all albinos i didn't hit it so um so so i'm curious what do they look like when they hatch snow yeah how do you tell the difference so i from what i've talked to other people is uh the pattern is very very faded it kind of looks like they're almost like um not creamsicle, but like um, like just a completely beige snake. You know how an albino, you can usually yep. see the, the the different pattern. When you've got the sun glow, you can really tell an orange on white. Like the sun glows are very different. The albinos mm-hmm. are, I think they're very, the patterns very easily. So these ones, to me, they almost look like they could have been snow, but I can see the pattern too much. So as to how to tell at this point, it's just a waiting game. 
So gotcha. I don't okay. think I hit it at all. But so next year I've got two females ready and my male will be three at that point. So I'm sure I'll uh, have a better chance. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a fun project. That being said, mm-hmm. two, year, uh, two years ago now or last year I did the, I'm going to call them triple heads, but they're not triple heads. I did um, a super caramel exanthic to a albino to produce all caramel Hetz albinos and het exantic to be able to go for the moon at one point, which seems pretty stupid. But I produced those those trip. Uh, I, I call them triple hets, but they're not caramel double hets. And uh, right. so that's a project for the future, which makes a lot of holdbacks to to hold. Um, <laughs> I produced uh, spotted pythons this year. I produced pygmy pythons. Um, which uh, we can go into pygmies later, but holy crap, those are rough. <laughs> um, and uh, jungles, and I'm trying to think, maybe, oh, uh, West Papuans. I produced one pure clutch of West Papuans, which are, I love, but they're horrible here. I can't even sell a pure for 100 bucks, which would be maybe, you know, $70 for you guys. They don't sell. There's, like, <laughs> it's the worst. There's no market for them. They're horrible. It's it's rough, and uh, so that's the one where I, I do it, and that's always the last clutch. And most of the ones I have left are are, are West Papuans that are not selling. Interesting. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, they're, is this they're, they're, they're just not flashy enough, or I, I there's it's I don't know. I guess I think they're beautiful, yeah. but yeah, and. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So and, and and I mean they've got some genes to them. I I've got the double head marble and one that is uh, head exantic. So I've produced a lot of exantics uh, visuals in the past few years. So now all those are grown up. So those are going to be the new generation going. I I personally love the exantics in West Papuan. I think it's a really nice look. It is. Um, it's yeah. it's better than the coastal exantic in in a lot of instances. Like they seem to be brighter and kind of bluer so yeah the coastal exantics i've uh i've always had a soft spot for though because i find they look like inlands they uh i really really like that (laughs) so oh and i did uh i did one pure coastal pairing uh which was the super caramel exantic that male which uh i don't know if you want to see him he's in the um in nick muttons and julander's book so oh, I'm oh, pretty okay. happy about that. Okay. So he's in that picture <laughs> for that morph. Um, and I bred him to a tiger caramel. And next year he's going to a hypo tiger caramel, which I finally, I'm looking forward to the hypo gene. My girl's huge. So that's a new one for me as well. Um, okay. Interesting. I think, and I don't know what you guys think, but to me, I think there's tiger in almost every pure coastal because I find every time you breed a tiger to a non-tiger that has no striping, you almost get a dominant stripe on almost everything. And I don't know if that's your experience or not, but I wonder if the tiger gene has almost slowly been spread into tons of other babies and they're sold as non-tigers, but it doesn't change that they're still can, like carrying that allelic genes that tend to pair up when you put a tiger with it and you get a lot higher percentage than you would expect. Thoughts? I mean, I... I think coastal through stripe anyway, and if you add one animal in their lineage that maybe was striped or a tiger, hell yeah, that's going to increase the likelihood of them having more. And I I would 100% agree that since we moved away from slapping needless names or labels on carpet pythons like a lesser tiger, um, (laughs) 
everything just became coastal. So, of course, it all got mixed into everything else. And, yeah, at one point, tigers were getting inserted into every project because everybody wanted that clean look and that good striping. So I would be, say, you're hard-pressed to find a jaguar that doesn't have tiger in its lineage somewhere, too. Yeah, I think I think for me the tiger thing is it's kind of a weird thing. It's like a morph and a line at the same time, right? And it's like yeah. I think the thing is is that I think Owen's right that you'll see striping pop up and especially I I would I, well coastals jung well jungles seem to be weird for us here in the states, but yeah. I think that's very doable like it is for coastals. Um but you see it a lot in in coastals I think that they tend to, to lean towards striping. So, uh, you know, if you have that lineage somewhere in there that has some type of stripe, regardless of whether it's a Balin tiger or some other type of tiger, I think that, um, uh, it's going to definitely throw, throw stripes. And it, you always, it's weird, but you're right, man. I I've bred God. I think the first time I bred, I can't remember what it was. I can't even remember the pairing, but I, 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 produce these animals that were like perfectly striped and i'm like there's mm-hmm. no stripes in this in the pair where did these all. come from yeah <laughs> you know? yeah it's crazy yeah so uh do we lose them oh there he no is. no i'm right here <laughs> oh, okay. yeah, I, oh i think it can definitely happen so yeah yeah 100%. yeah no i was i just like yeah i think that clutch was 20 and uh 18 were 95 plus percent striped Wow! Damn. So that was quite surprising. I just I, I expected maybe a third, maybe half, and yeah. And I mean, the male I, is banded, completely banded. Nothing. So where do your tigers come from? Where did they? Come uh, from? That one is considered a Balin tiger. Okay. I, okay. It's one that what that did come through from the United States, and uh, okay. it is a very, very hard thing to do for us Canadians getting snakes from you guys. Like it can take a few years to manage to make it go through. Uh, wow. It, really? I, I do every, almost everything in Canada is from Europe. So hmm. w- like most of the people that want to import their word importing from UK Python or star pythons or things like that, because we can get the permits approved in less than a week and they can ship next week. So wow. it's very, and if you want to talk about diamonds, we can talk about diamonds. Uh, I'm actually, I bought only I bought three snakes this year, which is more than my usual because I almost never buy snakes. But mm-hmm. um, well, just because you kind of at one point you can produce almost everything you want. But I've had a lone male inland forever, and actually on the last show we were together, I talked about it. And I still I've gotten two females since then, and my females turned out after they got here, and I checked them to be females. Uh, sorry, to be males. So those have left again, and. Uh, so I uh, I got uh, a 1.2 inland from uh, UK, and uh, I'm in the process of trying to figure out a plan to get some diamonds from uh, star pythons because uh, nobody breeds diamonds in Canada, or the people that do have not produced any in the past four years. Jeez. There's no one that has produced a diamond in four years, so it really makes it almost impossible. And it's, uh, I don't know if you guys want to go a bit in the diamond talk now, but I've been yeah. looking into lineage and diamonds are not my thing. Like I'm really, mm. I'm pretty nerdy when it comes to carpets, uh, but diamonds and I've been struggling. I think I reached out to you at the start of the week uh, mm-hmm. regarding yeah. different lineages. And it's really interesting how the European lineage is completely different than what we have here. And um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I was trying so, to. Well, you've got the basic lines here that, and you guys, might, I might need help because I or I'd have to look at my text. But you know, when mm-hmm. you've got San Diego Zoo, you've got. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys got to help me out here. Uh, the Val line got, or the uh, Vale line. Yeah, yeah, yep, Gary yep. Valles. Yeah, um, Valle. Then you have. Um, oh shit! My girl. What is she? Um, uh, the Gothenburg. Yeah, that's the one. That, not that. Oh, what's the other one? I got it from Canada, actually. Um, from uh, Michael Islam. Is it possible? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, oh, what the hell is the name of it? I'm like <laughs> Riverbank Zoo. That's Riverbank. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. La- I think there's a so and there is Lazic Line at your end, and I think there is uh, what's RBZ Riverbank Zoo. There you go. Yep. Yeah. Riverbank yep. Zoo. Yep. So I'm looking and I've been trying to inquire and talk about other people's lines. And then I've heard of the Casper line in uh, Europe. I've heard of, um, what's the other line? There's Casper and there's one second. Let me just pull it up. See if I can. Well, so like, I mean, Casper's line of diamonds, are they an actual separate line? Oh, they are the Casper line. And the other one is London zoo. And I was inquiring because I'm going through one person to see where they came from and all that. And then in the end, what I found out is both of them are basically confiscated animals that were brought in from Australia. The London zoo was, um, what is it? Uh, I think it was seized in the UK and it was brought to the London zoo. And the Casper was a guy in Scandinavia that, uh, seized the animals, a guy in Scandinavia that got it from seized animals in Norway, something like that. Anyway, I've looked at it, mm. and then I'm trying to figure out like what we consider pure or not. And then animals from Australia are they pure? Because Australia has the same yeah. problems as us, right? They're mixing everything. So if you get animals that are smuggled, and it comes to our side of the world, we will call it pure because it's going to be, or we're going to call it a new bloodline. But it really shouldn't be pure. It should just be a new bloodline. But that bloodline could be as tarnished as anything we have here because how do you know some aussie isn't breeding with his jungles and then he created i don't know at some point 88 percent the Mm -hmm. jungle diamonds and then we smuggled that in europe somehow through the magical bridge in germany and then right (laughs) and then it's called a new line in canada or in u.s and you're and then what do we do we are like oh well it's our new line so i don't know smuggled animals are they a pure line are they just a new bloodline that could be pure or could be very unpure when you think about it? I don't know. Thoughts? Well, it's one of those things where it's like I kind of see the, the 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 way you're thinking because here I have my 88% jungle diamond that's worth like $100. But if I tell somebody overseas it's a pure diamond python and they're going to give me smuggler money, like, you know, I can see where you kind of go with that. Well, how yeah, do you know? The, Sorry, go ahead. Well, I think that, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. This is, well, a couple of thoughts. One, I think of um, the idea of carpet python sort of, and I sort of was talking to you about this, but it sort of changed once I started seeing, like really paying attention to wild carpets and then going and seeing some and whatnot. And like you have, like how do you know that that diamond python wasn't taken from the intergrade zone? It's not Mm. like, you know, very true. They can look like diamonds just as much, but now it has coastal in it. Um, you know, or uh, to your point, it's um, breeding, you know, and uh, it's a captive bred type of situation. And, you know, um, 
Australia is big into the carpet python morphs and crossing and all mm-hmm. that. So you don't know if you have some kind of situation where that goes, where you think you're getting a pure diamond python. Um, and then the ones in the States. So there's the Cypress Creek, which is kind of a questionable one where the, you right. know, there's been, uh, there's been talk from the actual guy that that got them where he you know he said that he 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 basically smuggled them right and then um you know but people don't want to believe it I, I, it's weird diamond the diamond python hobby part of the carpet world yes. is sort of like its own thing and like mm-hmm. very like particular about and i get it i understand it and i and i get it but i don't know if i put as much weight into um, pure that 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 term pure as yeah. I used to. I think I would know? use I, the word bloodline and like like you say, Cypress Creek is is the question mark because it's smuggled or is it because they don't believe the history? And why would the Cypress Creek be any purer than any other smuggled line? Because as soon as it's smuggled, it basically means it came from Australia, and we have no idea its history. I think that, right, we're I, taking the word of the guy who sold it. I and, think the, I think the uh, thing that we're forgetting right is like think of the mm-hmm. reptile world back then all right i mean think of the reptile world now and the drama that comes into play when somebody has something that somebody else it's like you have to trash another person's project in order Mm -hmm. to like raise yours up it's like oh well your 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 diamond is worth shit because it has cypress creek in it where mine is uh you know the greatest thing ever i mean nick has animals with cypress creek so what's that tell you you know but but at the same time like his way of justifying it is his way of justifying it. I mean, we have those Russian tigers that we're sort of working on that supposedly came from somewhere in Brisbane, but he doesn't buy into that, right? Right. That came from a from the Moscow Zoo. It was they kept these coastal carpets forever. Um, there's there's uh, documentation that they had Morelia and a lot of Morelia in this zoo. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, I. You know, I don't know. It's like, who do you believe? And then, and then I just think of like, if somebody wanted to pawn something on, like say somebody wanted to get out of the, out of the, they're like, oh, I'm done with this. I don't want to do this anymore. I mean, mm-hmm. they're not going to sell if they're crosses, but they will sell if they're pure, you know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like yeah. that kind of thing. You have to worry about that. And I don't know those people from back then. I never met them. I don't know what their integrity is like. You know, I'm just going by somebody's word, I guess, at the end of the day. And I guess that's really what it comes down to. You know, if I'm getting something from Nick or Paul, you know, I, I, I would take their word for it, you know, um, doesn't mean that what they're saying is necessarily true, but I'm going to, I'm going to take their word that her, that the information that they got is the information that they're giving me. If that makes sense. Well, that's, that's, that's the end part is like, where are you comfortable drawing the line and how far are you willing to go? Cause eventually unless you have GPS coordinates and you were the person who collected it yourself, it is going to be taking the word of somebody else somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Diamond diamonds are a weird one. And then, you know, you have, so you have uh, San Diego zoo, mm-hmm. you have um, Riverbank zoo and you know uh, what was the other, well, I guess that's really the, the, the two main ones, right. That they say are separate lines. But they're all producing reduced pattern diamond pythons. Which, right. How can, so, be, how can that just randomly pop up in two different right. lines? I mean, come on. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. So that tells me that the true? same. Same thing. 
Yeah, I think they were probably smuggled in, and they sent some to this zoo, and they some sent some to this zoo. When you say that in the diamond python world, and that's like sacrilege. And I understand why, you know, like if they really believe that what they believe, you're sort of knocking down their project. Uh, shit, I that's what I have. But right. you know, I also am am willing to say that it's possible that. That it's not, but you know what? That snake is badass, and I don't care if it has a name on it or not. To me, it's a diamond python. So I'll be fine with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's um, it's an interesting world. Let's just put it this way. I just started dipping, like, and I, I, I don't even have diamonds yet. Like to me, they've mm. been the snake I've wanted forever that I just can't buy because it's unavailable here. So I've been. I, uh, yeah. So, but that world is crazy. It's crazier than carpet pythons. Like, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say that is something that's kind of turned me off of diamonds as well. It's like, you know, when you do dip, if you just want to dip your toe in there, you're still going to get sideways glances from everybody else who's, who have put a lot of stock effort and time into having all diamond collections. So, you know, it, it can be difficult. I think the rest of the, the Morelia world would, um, <clears throat> would, should take their take it from the jungle python world of carpets, right? They just accepted that. Yeah, maybe there's diamond mixed in there. I don't care. Still, it's doesn't matter. Awesome snake, and we're calling it a jungle carpet. It's my pure then, jungle. Yeah. And now <laughs> it's like things that you know, and you would, be, and this is, I guess, this is my point, right? Years mm-hmm. ago, you you would see on the Morelia Python forums like people actually fighting each other and saying like, you know, uh, your, your, your carpets are shit. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, I have all these localities and now those localities are actually now they're like Rockhampton is considered a jungle carpet, jungle carpet, (laughs) you know, it's just like, I don't know. I, I kind of, I kind of took a, uh, I think it was Chuck, it was Reptile Fight Club and Chuck was saying, and they were sort of talking about this and Chuck was saying, if, if you have the really pretty snake, does it does it really does it matter does it matter but but it does it matter does. you know what i mean well, it kind of does though you know uh, if you if you want me to really irritate you more eric if uh so yeah. i just produced an albino granite right mm. right it's, it's pure yes sure yeah yes yes a hundred and ten percent yes right because technically art is and this is something yeah. that i will never put that word to it to me it was always just if you do a cross go crazy so it doesn't even matter because you know it's not pure. Mm-hmm. And in right. this case, to me, a Darwin with an IJ is just, it's just a cross. That's all it is. But now yeah. technically, apparently, that is considered pure, which I think is funny. Yes. Yeah. Yes. What else so, can we add there to still keep it pure? Uh, well, there's not much else in albino. Cape in, Yorks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you, do, you could toss some Cape York in there and it would still be. How? But dare you, sir. <laughs> tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. You could. But, but that's the thing is that so many people, and the reason we have so much friction is so many people built their collection on, I will have nothing but the best and purest animals I can get my hands on. And then something happens and it's not. And it's completely beyond their control. It's not like they went out and did something it's just it it, the rules changed or and i know that some people kind of take that stuff personally and why they always want to well i think you feel duped right 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 right. you you kind of feel like you were sold this thing as this and then it turns out that it's not now you're like it's still locality though it makes it exactly locality is what matters right like if you have jolathan jungles you you don't care if they're considered 
Chennai or if they're considered, I, th- I think they're Chennai now, right? Are they all, yeah. they've always been, yeah. they've, they've always been, been. Yeah. they've always been, but you know, you could cross them to a coastal, it would still be a Chennai, but really in the end, it's a locality and that's all that matters. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. It doesn't really so. matter what names attached. So to me, I don't think it really changes much for that. And mm. I'm, I guess I'm sure you figured it out by now. I'm like right on the fence. I have no problems breeding for Morrison. I have no problems breeding for purity because I have a lot of purity. But mm-hmm. just like everyone, I've got my lines. And there's yeah, a yeah. lot of those yes. lines. Like number one, the hybrids I will not produce. I think it's wrong. I will not touch that. And it, <laughs> I, I don't get it. And But then when I look at like... A Bradley Jag Hypo oh, Stonewash. Yeah. <laughs> what? I don't even. I'm looking. I'm like, holy shit. The, right. So, yeah, but that for stuff me, that Don produced this. Like, yeah, oh, it is. It's insane. Oh, and, it's insane. Uh, and every time I tell him I'm not going to touch that, I don't even want it. But holy shit, it's, well, it's the, incredible. How much of a kick of teeth is that where it's like the Canadian carpet market is so small and then Don Patterson just keeps churning out these really good looking carpets that are mutts and you're like, no, no, I mustn't. And you're like, oh, but uh, like, that's got to be terrible. <laughs> so, Have yeah. you seen those in person? I, I have not. He's in uh, he's in BC, right? Or actually Victoria. So he's oh, the okay. complete opposite gotcha. end of. Oh, geez. thank God! <laughs> that's, that, you know, that's why you don't have them. That's yet. why you don't have them. Uh, far away. Oh. We've, we've we've traded probably a few hundred snakes by now, so uh, okay. I could have. It's I just would... not. It's not for me. Like for example, inlands. I've had a male inland for over six years and no females. Do you know how many times I thought maybe I could put it with a Darwin? <laughs> <laughs> have you Just seen see the albino? No, have you seen the albino inlands? Like wow. Yes. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. Um, all, what's, what's the albino silver peppered and stuff like that oh. over in Australia? No, there's uh. Uh, what's his name? Oh shit. Uh, anyway, there's a guy in Australia. Um, I'm getting like Justin, man. I can't remember yeah. the names. <laughs> um, but, uh, he had, he has this thing that I've been watching since he's been growing it up. And yeah, to your point, it's like orange and yellow and it's an albino inland and it's just insane. I'm like, Oh my God, that thing is crazy. Um, and it, I don't know. Do you think like here, here's a thought. When it comes to this kind of thing, do you think that the newer lines of like the subspecies, I guess, that we're working with, do you think that maybe we should not mess with those? Like we jungles and diamonds and jungles and coastals have sort of been done at this point and Darwin's mixed in there. But you have like these other ones that, well, I guess it's really just inlands, right? Like, uh, do you think that that maybe we should keep that? You know, it's own I, thing. Well, I mean, I, I do. <laughs> I, I think. I, I think what you should do is you should have a pair of pure, so that you can produce. <laughs> Look at how pure. Stop it! Stop it! <laughs> all right, you can produce pure animals, but I also think that you know we wouldn't have these scream animals or anything like that if somebody didn't kind of venture out. That being said. I will not be the one to do it. I can't do it. I can't physically do it. But someone will at some point, and I, I kind of want to make sure that it is somebody who will represent those so. crossed animals no. better. I, I think there will be. I you want to know what the I mean. Eventually, that no, go yeah, ahead. Somebody will. Go ahead, no, 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 no. Go ahead. What's oh, it's, gonna, it's, it's one of my pet peeves. So the problem is here, like you said, an albino inland, right? Or you say a jungle yeah. jag, or you say all this. 
but why do we only use one of the locality <laughs> of both, right? It's not a jungle jag, it's a jungle coastal jag, right? Yes. But you only hear it as a That's jungle a jag. Point. And it's not it's, an albino inland, but it's not an albino inland. <laughs> it would be a Darwin albino inland. But right. for some reason, whenever you produce something and you bring in the other gene, we drop the other one just like it doesn't exist. And yeah. we automatically I never even call thought it. of that. And there's, yeah. no per, there's no percentages on it. There's nothing, right? Like, so if you're the first one, it should be a 50 or you should do 50, 50, 50%, I don't know, jungle, 50% coastal, then 75% right. jungle, 25%. Like, but we don't do that. Why is it that we only keep the information that is important for selling that misleads the buyer to think that your inland is a pure albino or your albino is a pure inland? Because there's no there's no that, Darwin in there. Because that's the hook, you know. I got to get you to swallow. I got to get you to swallow the hook that it's an albino inland. And then after you, you've got it in your hands, and you're like, oh my god, then you go, oh yeah, it's a Darwin mix. But like you, you guys gotta, aren't trying to sell me anything. Yeah, and you like, still said albino albino inland. You didn't even consider putting Darwin. See, in there. <laughs> see, because that's in that. That is, that's, a, that is a great point. That is a great point, but the, and like, I'm from the time when if you had a busy pattern Jaguar, you called it, oh, what the hell did they call it? An ornate, ornate. Jaguar. An ornate Jaguar. Alright, it's a, what is special about nothing. See, nothing. I, think the, I think the problem with this, though, is that it's, it's like it's like when you comment on history of anything and like you're not taking into account what was going on at the time like it's easy right. to say that stuff now but at the time it was like when it was first produced in jaguars and morphs at this point not even in just in carpets just in mm -hmm. just in reptiles alone was sort of like this new thing and you you produce this thing and i i think that probably that's like when people really started churning out carpets and we say it now um that if you produce a clutch of carpets, you're going to get a wacky one in there somewhere. You know, yeah. it's like, it doesn't matter what you're doing or what you're mixing or what it morphs you're working with. You're just, there's always this. Somebody's going to come out. It usually okay. doesn't make it, but it's usually like, you know, it, it's, it's usually like this wacky, wacky pattern or a wacky color or wacky color and pattern or, you know, um, but you know, I think that they were just trying to, maybe separate things out, right? Because it's at the beginning, right? I mean, think mm -hmm. of, uh, I don't know if ball pythons did this too, but remember like the, remember it was like the lesser and the platy daddy and all this shit. But, you know, but that's you know, like, there's also the selling aspect of it. Like there's a reason we don't call, you know, uh, retic berm hybrids, retic berm. We just, it's, it's a bad. Well, sounds dirty. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The, everything has to have a flashy cool name. It's not it's not a Maclot's carpet. It's a carplot or whatever the hell they call that monstrosity. So but, it's that whole part of it too. But the it, point it, it helps made, draw right? you in. Yeah. It's like a jungle jag has a better ring to it. It does. Than a Jungle coastal, jungle coastal jag, jag. yes. Because yeah. when you say jungle jag, I think of neon yellow jag. With uh huh. Just like crazy, you know. When you say 
coastal jungle jag, even though it's the same thing, immediately I think of that dirty the brown ugliest one. jungle jag. <laughs> the ugliest one. It's got one eye. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. It's, it twitches. Why is that? That's, oh I, my God, you blew my mind, man. That's, I can't that's believe the part we've never it. thought about this before. But then that's, also, it's been they, my pet peeve forever. But no, no, you can <laughs> add things that enhance it too because it's now a diamond jungle jaguar. Yeah, so you but, will but you add, can't say the coastal. Right, right. You can't add, coastal's bad. Dirty. We don't want to talk coastal's dirty, coastal's brown. Diamond brown, dirt makes it better. So you can add things too. It's a diamond jungle jaguar. It's a um a gamma jungle jaguar. But I think to people coming in, right? Yeah. To your point, they, I, they I get what know. you're saying. It's they like would, they look unless at you it, knew they look and they think jungle is a, you know is that is that a morph or is that like oh jag must be a, a different type of jungle or something and people then, think jaguars you know, a python some, like a, they a go jag- and ask some <laughs> carpet breeder and they're like how do you not know that this is a car- <laughs> you know and it's just like huh okay hmm. well wow. when you're when you're coming from a, an outside point of view even if you're a snake guy like i i can't keep retics where i live it's illegal but i started listening mm-hmm. to the retic lounge podcast just because it's something different and i actually yes. i'm starting mm-hmm. to enjoy Enjoy it, right? Sorry, I plugged somebody else than you guys. That's all right. We um, that no, we love those guys. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm one of their it's Patreons. great. But <laughs> oh, there you go. I don't know anything <laughs> about retics. I don't understand the SD, but I've been slowly learning about it. But like to me, this is foreign. They're saying terms and terms and terms. But in the end, if somebody comes in and listens to your podcast and they listen to people talk about all this stuff, it's it's mm-hmm. just jargon because nobody here is going to be. You're going to be saying something about. I don't know if you bring up the fast of, um, I don't know, even if you just say Jag or if you say Miss, uh, what's the name, Mrs. Cheese? Madam Blueberry. There you go. If you say Madam Blueberry, you just assume everybody knows. Or if you say Bill and Tiger, you assume everybody knows what it is or all those type of things. We all know because you've been slowly growing up and each time there's a new thing in the past 20 years, you've learned about it and it's just nothing. Right. For somebody coming an outsider's point of view, like my outsider's point of view from Retix is I don't understand half the things they're saying because there's so many morphs. There's so many things that I would never even consider going to that because I couldn't keep up. I have no idea what's going on. I don't understand any of the names. I don't understand what's the locality, what's a morph, <laughs> what's uh, yeah. any of that. But to many people, they listen to these shows and it's like that. When I listen to the Collingbird podcast, it's the same thing. They very rarely say the real name. They just use the scientific name. And the scientific name means, uh, sorry, the Latin. And it Mm. doesn't mean much to me if I'm not, it's not a snake that I keep. I can tell you the Latin names for maybe the 15 pythons that I've worked with, but nothing else. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm terrible with the Latin. I I keep some of these things and people are like this. I'm like, what now? I don't even know what the hell that is. Like, oh, right. Yeah. That I do struggle with. Right. Because I'm not really a colubrid guy per se. So when they're, Mm -hmm. they're yelling out these names, I know, I know all the names. It's just that I can't equate it with a snake. Right. Unless I go and like, now I have to go and look something up and it's like, oh man. Oh, that thing. Great. Yeah. (laughs) I got enough things to look up. (laughs) There's only so much hard uh, this space in the in the brain you know i mean we 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 take those kind of things for granted that you know um that i know there's coastal in a jungle jag because of the jag but we've i've had people contact me asking me about jaguar pythons 
not coastal python, not carpet python, jags, jaguar python. So a lot of this stuff can get lost in translation. And I have had conversations with people that don't know why the letters MBB are in front of their coastal carpet, but it was a pretty coastal carpet. And then you had to be like, well, it's Madam Blueberry. And then they look at me like I have just grown another head. Like, okay. Yeah. Shit, I remember just coming back into reptiles, right? I go to uh, the my first big show, and I'm like walking around, and I cannot figure out for the life of me, why does it say 100% H and 50% H? Like, H. what does that mean? <laughs> like, what is that, you know? What the hell is that? Yeah. 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 I didn't know there was any genetics. I mean, I knew there was genetics in snakes, but I didn't know it was like morphs and stuff like that. I had no it, it idea. Gets- it gets crazy. Somebody asked me what percentage my Darwin babies were um, or my albinos. And I'm like, uh, and I sat down. I'm like, oh, shit, they're 75 percenters. Yeah, right, yeah. So I just keep labeling them as crosses. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we should start labeling it that way so that uh, it's not as uh, confusing. Yeah. Yeah. We could. I mean, the whole – sorry, go. It's being honest, right? Yeah. You know, I, I, you're labeling I it properly. Out, I put out everything that it's, this is a cross albino. And if you want to know, like, the percentages, here they are. But I'm not saying that this is a caramel Darwin. It, it technically is, but it's a cross. So it's a... But you don't even need to write say cross. You just say this is an albino carpet python. Right. Because there's some that are so far and have been so moved around that you, I couldn't even tell you what the cross is. So by just right. saying albino carpet python, I mean, it's a carpet python, which is anything, and it's albino. I right? prefer to yeah. hit them over the head with Early. what it is so that nobody can walk around <laughs> and violent. say that this is a pure. I don't want anybody to be confused that this is pure. Yeah, so I'm going to be obvious about it. Have you ever run into like out of out of all of the we've been doing this for 12 years? Yes. I think I can count on my hand, one hand, how many times I've seen somebody mislabel what they had and they weren't a carpet python person. I have seen it. I have never met somebody that bought snakes and then went and represented them as something different than what they were. I have I have seen it more. So I have sold HCQ animals and then came back to the same place a week later and seen it labeled as a jungle carpet. Okay. So how about you, Dominic? Have you seen it? I was going to say the similar experience where you sell an animal and you're going to sell it as, you know, 66% had this and uh, that. And then all of a sudden it's a, either it's, it has the gene or it's het. uh Right. And I've, I've seen it. And unfortunately people do it. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, that's why if I sell something wholesale, it's the bare bones stripped down. I don't even tell you if it's a possible hat. Yeah, like, but this, be- is, this is what it is. The beauty of the wholesale is is simply that you wash your hands of it, right? Right. So you, you, you tell them exactly what it is and, uh, you know, they get a great deal and then they sell them as what they wish. Unfortunately, it, it might not be the best way for the market, but realistically – if you want a really high quality animal, you're not going to go buy it at the show. You're not going to go buy it. Well, right. unless it's the breeder that's there and it's the breeder that, you know, well, if I want saying. a really good animal, I'm going to go from just a few specific people. If I want exactly that. Exactly. Else, so, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think when it comes to carpets, well, I guess when any reptiles, but in my experience with carpets is, you know, you want to make sure who you're getting it from. Like, I don't know, to your point, yeah, if you're going to a show and you're going to buy a diamond python, I remember <clears throat> I saw in um, Daytona one year when I went, they had these diamond pythons on the table, but they were 400 bucks. And it's like, oh man, I would buy them all right now. But like, I did, you know, and then you ask, like, it can't be true <laughs> from a specific line or something like yeah. that. And they're just like, no, nah, we don't a know. Diamond so, python. Know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> yeah. So that, that should be your first red flag. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The yeah. first red flag is that it's not from somebody that you kind of know. I mean, and I've had it where people buy bread lie maybe secondhand or thirdhand. And the person they bought it from says they got it from me. And the person who's coming to have me verify doesn't have a, a, a clutch code, doesn't have like a, a number for the baby identification, doesn't even have a year. Maybe says it's like it's either this year or this year. And I'm like, well, I produced bread lie one of those years. So I can't in good faith tell you that that's one of mine. Right. I can't, and I'm sorry about that. And you know what? It very well could be one of mine, but I, I can't say for certainty. And what I would say in those instances is that if you really wanted one of my bread lie, why are you going to somebody else? Just call me. Like, you know, I'll sell you a bread lie if I got one. But it's cheaper. That's exactly. usually the case, right? You usually is the case. Because they, they talk to you, they ask you all the questions, and they go buy it $100 cheaper at the other guy that has no real history. Well, but then that's but that that that's the decision you made. You set these two things up, price and and value of the animal, and you went with this. You can't have both. If you want that, you so have me, to pay for it. So let me push back a little bit on that, right? So they're okay. going, and I, I've experienced this. I think we probably all have at some point. Somebody wants to get a snake from you, and you know, mm-hmm. you go and give them all this information, blah blah blah. Then they end up getting it from a you know a jobber's table or something like that. It's only a hundred bucks, right? Right. So, do you think that maybe we should have some of those crosses and stuff that like like in particular, right? If you can make a you know, coastal jungle kind of look like a jungle type of thing mm. to where it has, you know, it's pretty enough. It's a pretty snake, you know, um, maybe the pattern's a little different than like the normal jungle you might see or whatever, but like give that for a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. That's somebody that's just looking to get a carpet python. They don't really want to get into the, they don't want to be a nerd carpet python person. They just like the look of the snake. They want to keep it as a pet. They put it in a cage to take great care of it for all, you know, lives a long life, blah, 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 blah. Um, but like, I, I'm just thinking of myself. Like I've never thought about that until just a minute ago. Like maybe I should have offered those things. I, I was like, no, I can't sell that. You know, um, I will sell cheaper carpet pythons at shows. I, I'm not putting a hundred dollar carpet python online for sale. I'm, I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just, I'd rather pull my own teeth out with a pair of pliers. <laughs> Maybe that's it. It's a, yeah, it's a particular. I would rather kill no customer. Ra- that's rather for, be I'd rather for rip every single what like one hair out of at a time until I'm cleanly shaven. Like no, that's, uh-uh. you know that's going to be the customer that after he asks you the hundred questions and he gets approval from his wife and his car doesn't break down, actually buys it for a hundred bucks. <laughs> after that, even once you get yeah. there. For the mm-hmm. next two years, he will send you a picture of it eating, or he'll send you many messages when it doesn't eat. Doesn't and eat. You're yeah. going to do all that, and you're going to you can want to rip yep. your head off. Yeah, exactly. And, I, 
I don't know. Yeah, no. That's been my experience. That's why maybe I'm a really, really bad salesman when it comes to snakes, because uh, I, I, I have a few of those people and they message me all the time. And it's like, you're, you're, you're like, oh, the message there, I need to reply for you. are like, Oh my God, him again. Stop. Well, and, it's, and for a hundred bucks. Exactly. It, it's that, hundred it's, it's that whole thing it. where it's like, I, I had somebody who wanted me to call them, uh, who called me four times while I was at work. Wanted me to call them over a two hundred dollar carpet python. Um, I got them on the phone. We talked it out. Then they said they were going to do this. They were going to do that. They said they were going to pay me. They couldn't pay me until Thursday. They called me again on Thursday. They wanted to talk it out. I talked it out with them. Thursday came and went. No payment. Saturday they said they sorry they missed me. I'm like it's a two hundred dollar carpet python. Like either you want it or you don't want it. But like now I've spent a, almost a day dealing with this. Like I, I yeah. Do any of those people ever come back? No. The dude never bought the dude never bought the snake and then disappeared. But then if you sell a five or eight hundred dollar snake, you're probably gonna have a conversation that's gonna be like, Hey, is this which line is that? Perfect. Do you have a mail available? Perfect. (laughs) It's not gonna and then it's gonna be what's your deposit I can send right now? When can you ship? It's not eating food. Yeah, all right, done. Sold. As you go a That's little a bit point. higher in the money range, you it's just so much simpler. It's yeah. a lot easier and it's it actually makes it worthwhile and they're easy people to deal with after and they end up often being more friends than pins in the right. Answer. Yeah. And, and, and I so. and it, I don't mind answering questions and I don't mind talking to people. It's just when you're demanding my attention over something that small, it, it, I kind of am like, really? Really? We can't just pay me and move on? Okay. So. Uh, yeah. I See, this is why I don't sell snakes, right? I know. Because <laughs> I know that I can't do that, right? I, I just I can't. I work too much. I right. just can't. I want to. I would like to. Like, if I'm going to sell snakes. See, to me, I don't know. I look at it as, like, either I'm going to sell snakes or I'm not going to sell snakes, right? Right. And I thought about the wholesale thing, which, you know, I, I and I thought about just giving Owen all the babies the wholesale to him. Just like, here, take them all. Give me whatever. I don't um, need it anymore. Please don't do it. <laughs> right? But I just know that I'm just not going to be able to. I'm not going to be able to be on call like that. I'm not going to be able to to just drop what I'm doing to answer your question or whatnot. And I just, it's not, you know, I don't know. I also think the higher price does negate the impulse buy of people who don't know what the hell they're doing with this snake, but had a hundred bucks in their pocket. Cause I remember we went to a Tinley park and I sold a $150 carpet Python. And the dude called me when we were at a rest stop on our way home the next day and was like, I tried feeding this thing four times and it hasn't eaten. And I immediately regretted selling this animal to this person because it's like, you're telling me that in the span of 12 hours, you tried to feed it four freaking times? Leave it alone. Like, it, yeah. So. With no success. With no success. Like, <laughs> Two hours well, later, I left uh, it alone. It still isn't eating. Well, geez. Well, normally what I'll say, because I've had people ask me this. I'm like, if help me, Owen, leave it alone. You're for my a week. only hope. Yeah. Leave it alone for a week and then try to feed it. If it doesn't eat after you've waited a whole week, then call me. and We'll work it out. I never get the secondary calls. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that can be frustrating. Either they think I'm an asshole and they don't want to talk to me or the thing eats. So, 
Yeah. Whew. Sorry, that was a big rant. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, good. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's I love good. those. All yeah. Good. All good. The nice tangent. Lots of, lots of yeah. good stuff there. I like it. So did you? So you didn't end up getting diamonds yet, did you? I didn't, did but I'm still inquiring. No, well, it's the, the it, it's it's in the buying process. Let's put it that way. Okay, uh, I, I got to figure out how to ship it. So, mm. oh, so, so what did you lean towards? Did you did you go? I, I with think the I'm going to do it. Line or yeah, I'm going to buy the yeah. either San Diego. No, yeah, San Diego uh, to okay. London Zoo K- Casper line, which is two smuggled line with a line that everybody knows, which again, doesn't mean they're pure. No, but it does mean a completely different bloodlines than someone else. So yeah. for me, that's desirable. And there's yeah. none really on this side mm-hmm. of the globe. There is some on the other side of the globe. So to me, it's just something interesting and they're gorgeous and they look like diamonds. So to me, yeah. I don't know if I would, I, I'm not going to put the word pure, but I also think nobody should put the word pure. <laughs> so to me, it's just a different bloodline. And for that's, I find that very appealing because there's really not that many bloodlines out there. Awesome. So. That's a good way to look at it because I often want, worry about like, I've worried about this recently more than ever before is like, you know, the whole outcrossing thing. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think for a long time we sort of have like kind of um, maybe like acted like it's not a big deal that we're just inbreeding um, and Australia is kind of close to, to us. Um, right. You know, in, in case, unless those compensated animals pop up every once in a while. But if you can get unrelated something, I think it's, I think uh, it's just worth everything you can you know what it, I mean? it, it is yeah I completely good that being said i don't think inbreeding is that much of a big issue don't get wrong you shouldn't do it but and here's a big but uh i mean a lot of people have inbred the crap out of the snakes the only time it really is a problem is when it's really specifically bred into certain genes but only certain genes have caused issues many mm-hmm. of the other ones have not and i mean you like Jags was a problem. There was a problem with the first one. They're, they're, they're in everything, right? But if you take granite, there was no problem with granite, and it's just been too inbred. But certain genes have been inbred like crazy. If you take zebra and jungles, I mean, mm-hmm. I've known of people that have gone brother to sister, back to mother, and they've gone three, four, five generations in a row, and you don't see any issues whatsoever with the offsprings, except hmm. the super zebra. But the super zebra has a... Had those problems. Genital tail right. slash too short of a tail. Even the perfect tails are too short. So, like, I right. produced yeah. six super zebras this year, and four of them to me have a perfect tail until I saw Nick's post saying that even the perfect tails aren't perfect. And then I actually started measuring the tails between the super zebra and the normal jungles. And, uh, well, I, maybe I shouldn't, he doesn't listen anyway. Right. So uh, yeah, no. <laughs> he, he was, he was right. The super zebras definitely have a slightly shorter tail than all the other ones. So, which you're like, so then that gene has a problem, but I bet you we could probably breed a, I don't know, a coastal to another coastal and probably do four five, six generations in a row. And I'm willing to bet you, you'd have no issues with it. Hmm. It's just my yeah, thought think, and observation. Think, well, yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I think that there's like, okay, I see a lot of like, this is a lot of behind the scenes type of talk, right? A lot right. of cancer, 
a lot of yeah stomach uh, cancer you know heart uh, enlarged heart issues um is that coming from inbreeding too much is that coming from just a, uh, you know that particular line like we always use the one line that i used to oh my god they were beautiful coastal carpets um but the uh sylvester line mm-hmm. all enlarged hearts um Ooh. all the time and a lot of the founding coastals that are in the u.s probably have you know that blood mixed into it but maybe it's when you when you're inbreeding it no, it's... Um, that you have it. So, like, I'm thinking like this. I'm thinking like, do you take a gelatin and you breed it into a jungle to outcross your your jungles? I think like you could say you if you're sh- doing like an ivory thing. And that's, yeah, you you can and you you could, but then at that point, do not ever put the word gelatin in there or pure locality. Because what's the point right. of using a locality if you've mixed it? Because right. at that point, you're not trying to do a jungle coastal, right? You're just it's it's jungle right. to jungle. Therefore, once you've removed the the locality, even if it's fifty fifty, even if you bred it back to a gelatin, I wouldn't call that a seventy five percent gelatin jungle. I no, mean, what is the, that's, the line's broken? It, uh, as, so as soon as you move out of the locality, the locality has to disappear and never yep. be talked again. But that's yeah. again, that's me. I don't yeah. think there should be any percentages, no matter how much you breed it back into it. But the example of the ivory, the ivory is different, though, because you're breeding for a color. So the percentage in that is important. Right. Right. Because if you do mm-hmm. uh, an, an ivory to, let's say, a normal jungle that's a zebra, and then you produce a 50% ivory zebra, and then you breed it back to an ivory, and now you, get, you keep the zebras, and you get a 75% zebra ivory. The seventy-five percent is for the ivory, saying how much white blood. Uh, well, again, that mm-hmm. <laughs> it's right. So to me, that one would matter, but not the gelatin, because you're not locality. You're talking about a polygenic trait that's bred out the yellow to bring in the white. I don't know right. if that. I guess no, no, you, it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the only thing, the only thought that I would throw out there with that. Yes, I, I do. I do agree with you. I would not call it a gelatin after that. I think if you look at a lot of Paul stuff, right, he used a lot of like localities like Rockhamptons and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But, you know, it's in the lineage chart that it would be on there. But it's not like he's saying that this is an exantic Rockhampton. You know, he's just saying that there's Rockhampton Rock blood in, in here, the- this locality, right, yeah. this line or whatever you want to however you want to look at it. But like all the carpets really are locality of some sort or another mm-hmm. they, they if, come from somewhere right they, they so do, but it's if, just but, these ones in particular yeah i was just gonna you know say if I mean? you don't that know what it is like yeah you don't know that's true but like I, i'm just thinking like does it make sense to to do that for the long term for them I guess if you're not seeing any issues, that's one thing. And then you don't know if those issues are coming from care. You don't know if those issues are coming from what they're eating. You, you know, I think, I mean? there's so many variables that could come into play. I think it all depends on what genetics were in the initial animals. Because if you take, for example, mm-hmm. rough scale pythons, rough scale pythons, every single rough scale in captivity is from four or five snakes. And how many do we have them out there? And they're all extremely, extremely inbred. And I don't yes. know about you, I've never seen one issue or heard of an issue with a rough scale python. As far as like genetic problems no, or anything? There's, no. there's nothing at all. And they are no. inbred like you have no idea. But then you they, take you take the, the genes that have a problem, and I'll use granite because it's the best example. 
and mm-hmm. that one caused a problem mm-hmm. right away. Now, why did it cause a problem? Is it because of the mutation, or is it because the mutation also was carrying another, let's say, malignant mutation in there that caused the the snakes to have no eyes or things like that, right? And then we bred that and simply propagated that. So I think they can take a certain amount. It's not like mammals, a much higher animal that once you inbreed an animal, I mean, you shouldn't even, you're going to have a lot of problems. A reptilian is a much, I don't know, I don't know how to say this, but it's an animal a little bit lower on the, on the, I don't know, sophistication, or I don't know what word to use here, but you're going to have a lot right. less problems. <laughs> yeah. Inbreeding doesn't hurt it as much as it does, like, a mammal. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And if you, take, if you take a cockroach, yeah. you could probably do a thousand generations without any issues, right? So, yeah. the, I don't know, to me, inbreeding, yes, it's bad. Don't do it. But I don't think there's that many issues, unless you know there's an issue in the line you're inbreeding. Right, then you have and, to stop. I mean... And uh, from what I heard now that they're even without crossed granites, they're starting to have issues with the eyes. I have so many, like I have a good amount of granites. Some are outcrossed and a lot of them are pure. And I've Mm -hmm. never, ever seen any issues with the granites. But I'll be honest, I've never bred a granite to a granite yet, ever, because I've never needed to. So they've always been mixed with other lines and I've never had an issue. Yeah. I think this year is going to be the first time I bred granites. Are you making heads? Um, I'm usually when you're no. doing granites or we, I'm either, I'm usually okay. making granites, het exanthic or mm-hmm. exanthic's head granite to try to get a vent sheet of the marble. Cause it's, and I'm bringing in different animals yeah. to get there. So I've produced a good amount of granites. I've never seen an issue, but again, I've never bred a granite to granite yet. And even once I do, because there's been so much outside blood, I don't see an issue with breeding granites to granites as long as you've mm-hmm. got your granites that have been continuously outcrossed. Yeah, I think um, I didn't run into any issues with granites when I was doing like zebra granites, uh, caramel granites, uh, um, granite jags. Well, mm-hmm. except for the jag part of it, but yeah. like no, no kind of inbreeding type of issues or anything like that. No eyes, stuff like that. Um, but, um, I have had granites where they are kind of a little neuro a little bit, like their, mm-hmm. their heads like that, like tilted a little bit and they're just off a little. It's not like they're bad or anything. It's just like, mm, yeah, something's not right here. Um, I, so maybe the key is not breeding granite to granite. I don't. I'm, I think it's the granites where they came from initially. As soon as you took even that granite that had some issues, you outcrossed it to just a wild caught granite. Then you have fifty percent different blood. If you took that one and you produce the heads go to something else, as soon mm-hmm. as you move it out, you have no problem. Like when you're breeding with caramel and all those other genes, you're mixing in the coastal gene, you're mixing in the jungle gene. You're you're mixing the bloodline right. so much that you lose all the issues. Yeah. Right. So yes. I yeah, I agree. But but yes. the second you start putting them back to each other, like it's still got to be in there somewhere. If it I, if the if the granite was the issue and you outcrossed it, like it doesn't go away. You're just diluting it. But I don't think it's like the jag where the the neuro the neuro is tied to the gene. My opinion, and again, it's my opinion. My opinion is that I don't think the granite is tied the 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 problem with the granite gene. I don't think it's tied oh. to the mutation. I think it's tied to inbreeding. And once it's outcrossed enough, you will be able to have perfect granites and eventually breed granite to granite without any issues. And I think we're there. 
Because you look at how many problem granites we have now, it's almost nothing compared to before. Yeah. I don't know. I, I would agree with that. I, I would be curious to see how the granite to granite thing progresses. But yeah, for the most part, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. I think that's sort of like in the early days why I was really doing those crosses because I was like, well, if there's an issue with this and there's an issue with that and I breed them together and now I don't have any issues, that's really because I'm putting unrelated blood in there. And it's sort of why I, I sort of started to think that. How come when I breed these certain lines, I get issues? I don't think that the granite's neuro thing has anything to do like the jag. It's not, it's not the jag thing to where every single one is going to have it. I think it's just, yeah. I, I think the one that I saw that with was one that Nick had just started out crossing. Um, it was beautiful, but um, yeah, ultimately, um, it was just a little off, you know, um, yeah. but anything else I produced granite wise, I haven't had no, no issues at all. I, I haven't heard the, well, I mean, the Nero thing is one thing, but I've heard more of it's the eyes yeah. where maybe necessarily some outcrossed ones, their eyes are smaller, but they're still having some of those eye issues that we've seen. Maybe they, like I said, the big thing is that they were born with no eyeballs. Now we're getting ones that are 90% outcrossed with small eyeballs. So it could still be linked in there with the gene. But again, if we're using the same granites that, you know, we hatched out one clutch and they all had no eyeballs and we took those animals and then started outcrossing, it's still there. It's kind of like the thing we always say, right? It's, like you wonder how we're dealing with, with these morphs of all types, ball, uh, all reptiles. And mm-hmm. like as popular as these morphs are, you're surprised you don't see more problems. Right. You know, yeah. right. The, the only thing I was going to say that kind of fights the other side that it could be related to the gene is if you take the JAG, the JAG gene is the neuro is caused by, if I remember we're listening a couple, it's caused by the, a deficiency in the black pigmentation that causes the neuro, something like that. Anyway, I've, I've, I've heard it. I'm, I, I don't know if I'm right or not. But then if you look, the black pigmentation is also related to the formation of the eyes, is it not? So if maybe I'm wrong, but I remember hearing that no, the eye formation at one point is related to that as well. Am I wrong or uh, the JAG neurological thing, I think they just said that in spider, they found it was an underdeveloped inner ear bone and problem with that that caused them to kind of lose equilibrium. Um, okay. I'm not sure if that's with Jaguar, but I think that's what they found in spider, according to that last thing we read. Um, but I'm not 100% sure on pigment or what goes on That'd with that. Kind of right. It is true. The reduced, the reduction of black is sort of like in the reduction of pattern. Mm-hmm. And I'm not gonna. I'm. I'm like. I'm with you. I'm I don't not know sure exactly how to say to this in yeah. science. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I. I think that is is correct. It's. It's. You know. It doesn't develop right. Uh, right. Something doesn't produce correctly. So I don't know. But so it could all be connected. I'm curious with the the super zebras. Let's circle back to that, right? Because yep. I don't see as many people working with them. Like, what's your what's your end goal with them? Are you trying um, to produce them, or are they just something that you oh, get from producing zebra stuff? So I've been breeding carpets for over 20 years, and I've never seen a super zebra in my life, hmm. in real life. So that's the number one reason why wow. I did it. I've simply okay. never seen one, and nobody ever does them. And I was really curious. And uh, mm-hmm. I decided I'm going to try <laughs> so and see what okay. happens. I, and we can go into the whole jungle talk now. Um, so I had sure. yeah. 
five or five and one. I'm gonna I'm gonna use six clutch as an example. Five clutches are for me. One clutch is from a good buddy of mine, Shan Melanson, that has a pair of my baby ocelots jungle zebras. So his I'm counting into all this. But so I I paired up. I think four, yeah, four pairs of zebra to zebra. And after doing the four pairs of zebra to zebras, I've had, a, I think, only seven in total super zebras. Okay. One was dead and egg, fully kinked. Uh, one came out alive with uh, a, I'd say, a 90-degree kink in its tail, the last, like, little... I don't know, maybe half a centimeter long or, geez, inches, uh, a sixteenth of an inch from the tip of the tail and uh, yeah. a small kink in the back. And then uh, the, all the other ones were visually perfect, no kinking, nothing at all. So okay. to me, why do we not do it? There is definitely a problem. And I mean, I've, I've seen right. a lot that were dead, rotten eggs that could have been, yeah. but it's hard to tell when they've died and you see no pigmentation on it. You're like, oh, it could have been or it's just never got there right Mm -hmm. so for me i produce five out of seven that in my opinion were perfect so it's not too bad but it took four clutches to produce five super zebras and if you look at the when you're talking about an incomplete dominant gene the 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 percentage doesn't work because that should be a zebra to zebra you should get a quarter super zebras in every clutch i should have produced i don't know 20 easily yeah so to me, right. I think I think in every clutch you get a lot less. There's definitely a problem with the gene. There's no question about it because there would be way way more out there. Um, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, I, I sort of I sort of moved away from that when I was trying to do the super zebra granite and it just old and uh, the albino super zebra just never. Just always never got there. All the, I never even got to the like past the the eggs would just not make it. You know, you oh. just have you have the clutch and then randomly just ones would pop off. Um, to your point, I don't know if it was a super zebra, but I can just assume that you know the zebras popped out fine. <laughs> the zebra yeah. jacks yeah. popped out fine, <laughs> but yeah, I've, the I've, super zebras did not. Same, same thing. I've never had any issues with that, and it. But the percentages don't make sense, and over four mm-hmm. clutches. Like I'm telling you, like I, I maybe have less than five percent were super zebra instead of twenty five percent. I'd say per clutch. So to me, it's it's weird. Again, yeah. they could all be the ones that died in the egg, and only a few of them survive. But I think there's a reason there's not many of them out there. Yeah. So. Again, there, there's problems with kinking. There's problems with tails. There's, you've all heard of it. We've all seen it. Yeah. So now what else does it cause? And I mean, all the baby, the super zebras that I produce, all five of them are eating fine. They're all doing great. I have no issues whatsoever. They're, they're behaving normally. And I've seen a lot of people with large super zebras and they have no issues. But you got to get them to come out of the egg alive. So what's it like when you hatch out the snake that you've never saw? That's pretty, like cool. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, yeah. I've, I've had that happen a couple of times. Well, it's cool. You're like, oh, that's what it looks like. And it, it's <laughs> done. A super, but a super zebra should have been done like you could have had a super zebra, what, like 15 years ago? How long has zebra been out there? I mean, it's just an incomplete dominant to an incomplete dominant. Close. Yeah. yeah. But yet there's none. There's none. I don't get it. There's only a few of them out there, so I don't get it. People were, I, I know Balin had a few, I know there was a couple people that were really working with it, but I think a lot of people got turned off by the tail thing 
And I don't think a lot of people wanted to put in the work that, uh, I mean, a lot of people kind of jumped into jungle being black and yellow, bright, gorgeous, and that stuff. And the second the Super Zebras didn't come out completely neon yellow, everybody's like, oh, well, whatever. And they kind of backed off of it. So I don't know. The one I there have. Are of, there are a couple projects, have, by the wayside. I have a Super Caramel, Super Zebra, Jungle Coastal. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine. No problems, no issues. Beautiful mm. snake. You know, I just have it as a pet, I guess. <laughs> it's not never going to do anything for me, but it's cool. So, so what about the. You want to talk about the ocelot stuff that you're? Uh, we can. Before we go to the ocelot, let's talk about the the weird clutch that I got. I think that'll be a, a good. Uh... Oh yeah. Okay. So this is one that. So I've had this one female, and uh, mm-hmm. she is massive. She was my son's snake when I first got it for him. So he loved feeding mm-hmm. it. He had it in his room, and he would feed it a rat a week, and you know it got huge this was Mm -hmm. this is she's downstairs she's eight feet long she's about seven and a half pounds she's a massive jungle so she's popped out the last three or four clutches she's popped out on the same day every year between 38 and 42 eggs massive massive clutches anyway so she's had three three years in a row, and I'm like enough. Like this, this is ridiculous. And don't get me wrong, they, the jungles are the easiest thing to sell. They always sell perfect, and my son's mm-hmm. super happy because I promised it's his snake. I give him half the money, so he's always happy. Yeah. Um, right. So I've had zero shoot, but this year I was like, I'm giving her the year off, and I'm not. So she bred last year, and then okay. you know you separate them once they ovulate. So I'd have to look at the dates, but I had the exact date, and I write this all down. And I had the exact date where she ovulated. Then I separated the male. Then she waited her, uh, she shed, let's say, a little while after. And then after that, you know, 28 days after, something like that, she laid eggs. Great. Eggs hatched. Awesome. Never seen a boy the entire year. Went through the same cycle. And then breeding season this year comes again. And mm-hmm. um, I simply left her alone. You are not breeding. You're not doing anything like that. So right. here's the bizarre thing. She's always the first one to lay. She, okay. But she didn't this year. She never ovulated. Nothing happened. Three and a half, four months later, at the time where you would be having, let's say, breadly eggs, she laid. Hmm. She was hmm. never, ever with the male. For I calculated the last time she was with the male and the day that she laid her second clutch. So we could call it double clutching, technically, because that's really what it is. She she double clutch her second clutch was 14 months later but she Mm -hmm. still laid them and she had i think about 36 eggs four white ones and uh the rest were just slugs okay so obviously terrible and i was really pissed off because i was trying to get her the year off and i'm like i should have just put a boy in there but anyway that was part of the 11 clutch and she wasn't supposed to, to to be in there but so i incubated the four eggs because at this point i was really curious so she's just a beautiful jungle so nothing in her right so if all the babies come out jungle my thought is well is it partho or is it return sperm from the year before Mm -hmm. right so it could be both but the only snake she's ever been bred with has always been a zebra male so if one of the babies comes out as a zebra 
I can retain guarantee sperm. you it's retained sperm, right? Right. Because it's, it's impossible for her to have a zebra without the male because she's just a jungle. Even if it was partho, she'd be double jungle. She wouldn't be, right. you know, if it was a zebra and then she came out super zebra, you could be like, okay, that's a partho. But in this yeah. case, mm-hmm. so only two eggs made it to the last day. Two of them okay. rotted about a week and a half before the end. The two of them that rotted, I cut open. First one was a regular jungle, you could tell. The second one was an ocelot zebra. So now I'm looking at that. So the dead one was zebra. And I know the ocelot comes from that male, that, that, the, 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 okay. that's the original one that pushes the ocelot and everything. So now she had a zebra. So that egg was dead, but it was still zebra. So it died right. a week before. So the point is that this told me that it was retained sperm because there's no other way that I can think of. So that would mean that hmm. that snake retained sperm from the last time it was with a male was exactly 16 months. I have the dates. I'd have to look. Hmm. But um, I talked to a few people, including Nitman, and he just says he's like, it's only been documented about three months of retained sperm. So to me, it was, I don't know. Hmm. I think it's pretty cool. Um, That's huge. That is awesome. Huge. So I don't know. I think it's just really interesting. I mean, it the snake was dead the two and just by the way the two last snakes that did make it all the way to the end one i opened up uh-huh. was uh was dead in the egg mm. perfectly formed just a regular jungle the other one pipped mm. his head was looking out just waited came back the next day head was not pipping out opened it up it strangled itself on the umbilical cord and um oh. it so I actually got nothing. <laughs> so nothing lived out of that clutch. But really, in the end, it doesn't really matter because I was more curious about about whether a snake could retain sperm for that long. Or it's I, I don't know. I thought it was really interesting. So yeah, yeah. yeah I just and thought I, it was. I, go ahead. I, I mean, I've heard that partho babies can have issues and they're kind of weak and all that other stuff, but I never heard anything about retained sperm babies being um weaker or anything like that but uh, again if there's not that many instances i I don't know that's just it's really interesting and then really weird too because she waited so long yeah she was the last one she she laid three months later than her usual and i don't know if you ever track the date that a snake lays i've noticed that every time a snake lays let's say i don't know may 1st or whichever day she lays she mm-hmm. will lay to the day, a day before, a day later, the next year. Almost yes. all are identical. Yep. Just like if yep. you have a girl that has a pre-lay shed that is 34 days and she's the one who stressed you out because she wouldn't goddamn lay. Mm-hmm. The next year, she'll take 34 days. The oh, yeah, she'll, she'll lay it. Yeah. And it's just, it becomes her normal. And that's how I'm like, no, don't worry about it. I'm not expecting eggs from her for another week and a half. And then yeah. if you've got the one that lays at 18 days, you know that. But the date that they lay is the same every year she laid. Three and a half months later than her usual, after having the exact to off to one day for three years in a row. Yeah, I, I had a I had a caramel that would lay um, end of March, beginning of April, and it's like you shouldn't be this early, you psychopath. So it's like, but every year she'd be the first one to lay eggs. So I've noticed that too uh, yeah. that they lay within a day or. You know, the day before, the day after, or the day of. Like I've noticed that as well. The cool. interesting thing is, mm-hmm. is that they they don't they don't necessarily lock up at the same time, which is odd to me, right? Right. Like, 
if you look at like when they were together and when those locks would happen, that female may have locked at different times depending on the male, but yet she still lays on the same day. I mean, if it, if you don't change the parameters, her body's going to go through the, all those motions at the same time or have those same triggers, but maybe she just you know that he got it done on the first shot and or isn't maybe gets why, it done on the fifth shot isn't that why like if you're again i don't, I don't know i don't know this 100 percent, but i've always thought that like when you're breeding a lot of ball pythons right you mm. sort of don't want the male to be in too early whereas like i think at least from the carpet python world we sort of just Oh, here we are. It's winter time. Okay. You're just going um, together and you stay together for, you know, the next yeah, four or five I mean, months. Have you ever gotten locks when you do the first introductions in wintertime? Yeah. And then, like, so I, all the, it ha- happens all the damn time in bread lie, um, with, with my bread lie. They'll lock up in the winter and, and I'm, or like, when I put them together and I'm like, this is meaningless. And because if you backtrace the eggs, it's like, none of these locks mattered and then they kind of ignore each other for a couple months and then they're back to locking up so maybe the locks in the beginning of the season do matter because maybe that triggers ovulation maybe she can well i mean now she can retain the sperm i think i think that does happen in short tails the male triggers the ovulation you know right sorry go ahead dominic no, I was just going to say, I think it does matter because maybe that first lock is where the sperm came from, and that's the yeah. one that worked. It, it just means that she might have just held it for that long, especially if you're talking about just two, three months later. That's sure. really not right. a lot, right? Right. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I wouldn't change, like, to me personally, when I'm breeding carpets, I just put them together. I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't. In a burlap wanna, bag, you can I, just shake it. I, I write down when they lock or whatever, but. Obviously, there's probably times where if they're together for that length of time, then there's probably times where they're locked, and maybe I don't, I don't see it. You never How many separate? times have you? Um, not really. No, I never separate. I do for feeding, but how I many times have you gotten? How many times have you gotten eggs and never seen locks? Yeah, all the damn time. Rare. I've, only the pygmies yeah, are the only ones that I've never seen hook up and i've gotten eggs two years in a row and i've never seen it but except for that carpets i almost always see it i have sneaky males then because I, I have a couple males that don't give a damn if i watch which is weird but um then the other ones i just i, I there have been a couple where i never saw a single lock and then all of a sudden she's blown up like a balloon and he's on the other side of the cage so it's like okay yeah i can't i mean i, I maybe it's just because i'm so i'm just watching it too much i don't know mm. You know, I, I, I do kind of just put them together and let, you know, let it go. Now, I guess, let me take that back. When I was doing, yep. um, I had, I had an albino jag and I was bringing it to a caramel albino and a zebra albino. So mm-hmm. I do separate for a little bit of time in between the two, but for the most part, most of my pairings are just a pair and I'm just yeah, I've, pair together. I've stopped jumping males because I had one year where I thought the male had gotten the female and I pulled him and put him with another girl and then I thought he got that girl so I pulled them and it turns out I pulled them both too early and I got no eggs and I'm like well shit so, so now cra- lock yeah. him in. So here's a crazy question with that. With that mm. What happens if the year before you bred a cross 
of some sort. Mm-hmm. And then the next year, you're breeding pure. You know, so that that <laughs> could cause an issue for that, sure. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you are you worried about you know? It could, uh, yeah, yeah. It's you know? technically possible. I mean, yeah, it could. Well, but if you're, you know, I mean, you would know if you're breeding for. I weird guess you would have to make sure. Mm-hmm. Right, you would have to make sure that yeah. I, I I guess I just say that and just just to be careful with that, you know. Because- oh, I mean, like if if I was breeding for something, I mean, it would be obvious, right? Because then the babies would come out and be like, "There's a zebra here. You're not supposed to be here." Like, I think that would kind of throw a wrench in the entire clutch. But it's the whole weird thing about lineage, right? You know, it's yeah. kind of like if you like just doing this pair and it has to be these two, do you even know that it's that's let's just say that you're doing jungles and you're not going to know whether it pops out. Do you know 100% that 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 it's not retained sperm if you're doing a female, say, so three like if years I, in a like, row? Well, like, all right, well, like, so the, I bought a <laughs> pair from a guy, a pair of adult jungles, and I breed them and they're just normal jungles, and then out of the egg pops up a zebra. I have questions, right? Yeah. Well, did or you a, ja- a zebra the year a jaguar. Let's say, like, say a jaguar pops out. Now I have even more questions because now is everything here that looks like a normal could have some coastal blood in it, but didn't hit the jaguar. But how many clutches do you ever hear of that happening? Almost never, right? So that exactly. tells me that usually, probably carpets shouldn't retain sperm for a whole. I year. would. Ag- it probably I would doesn't agree. happen because we would have heard about it from a lot of people or things like that. That's why I think this is probably a very big anomaly, and I'm right. assuming it's retained sperm because I see no other possible way of. And I like I guarantee you that my cages are okay. They're not. They they do have the the pipes to connect from one cage to the other. But the snake underneath is not a right. is not a jungle. <laughs> it could not have snuck in. All right, yeah. yeah so, right. Um, it's not it, unscrewing the thick cap. No. Right, going up and coming back. <laughs> Hold if he if he did, we have other things that we need to talk about, yes. and we have other concerns. But um, I, I would say that it, it it has to be kind of an anomaly because I think every time we he, somebody hatches something that is not correct or is weird, they're all over the internet. And everybody has their opinion. So I think, like what Dom said, we would totally have seen more of those things. Yeah. yeah. And going back on the uh, switching cool, males, yeah. you know, going, going back on the males, I mm-hmm. personally pull my males out as soon as they show no more interest. So I'll leave mm-hmm. them in. If it's two days, if it's two weeks that they keep showing interest or cuddling and all that, as soon as they separate, I, they, they sleep in different spots all the time. I separate them for two, three days, then I put them back in and continuously redo that. And mm-hmm. if I have a male to multiple girls, what I'll do is I personally prefer putting the two girls with the male because I'll notice that for a week he'll only be breeding okay. one, and then mm-hmm. the next week he'll be breeding the other. It all depends on which one is receptive at that moment because right. he, he will not touch a certain girl for a certain mm-hmm. amount of time. Then he'll auto summon, have no more interest in her. It's like if he knows which one to go for. And I've noticed that I have much better success. Or if and I've put males to like four females. And I've mm-hmm. done so. My I did one male to four jungles, and we can get into the the breedings that I did. One male to four jungles, he got all four mm-hmm. of them pregnant. And nice. I did it that he was going from one wow. cage to the other, and there was two females in one cage, two females in the other, and he was literally spending three days in one mm-hmm. cage, three days in the other. And he, I've had no issue. All the fertility was all perfect. I've had no slugs. Well, maybe wow. one slug, but almost nothing. But 
he would only breed the one specific one at a time and would almost ignore the other all the time. Like I would never see him one morning bred locked up to this one, the next morning locked up to that one. It would be almost always this one, then the other one. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. It's just my observation. Interesting. But that's the way I've done it. And I've that's had interesting for, for multiple females. That's what's worked for me. So. Yeah, I never even thought about doing it that way. Yeah. Hmm. Actually, I'm probably going to do my diamond pythons like that, where I keep all four together. Yeah. Just all the well, time. You can't and miss it that huge. way, right? Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's <That's>, breeding. <laughs> like, Somebody's you know, going to do something. Yeah. If the girls... I find that fascinating, though, that that male is able to pick up on that female. You know, I mean, like, you're ready. And then, you know, be able to, you know, switch to the next one. When I mean, we ready. had that with like what Chuck had that with his Halma Harris where like the male was like up against the yeah. door so that like let like let me in, like open the door so that I can get into the girl. So I think they would pick up on that kind of stuff. That's, that's what I was about to say. Like you always see those pacing males. So mm-hmm. I think we lost Eric. You always see those pacing males that. um that that can pick up on that. So when you see that male going up and down the cage, rubbing the walls, and I mean, like, my, the snakes don't rub. I don't know, mine don't. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, when they're doing that, I know I need to put them with the girl. Yeah, I mean, and they'll they'll figure that out. I I I was only going to try for one clutch of roughies this year, and I put I I the male got the female like the big female hundred percent, and I put him back in his cage, and he would not stop. He would not stop pacing. He would not stop ripping around he ignored food and i'm like all right and i chucked him in with the other female and they were locked within five minutes so sometimes it just comes down to watching your boys and figuring out exactly what works out best for that or like what they kind of want almost uh just by curiosity how's the feeding trials going for your roughies seven out of seven really yep 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 i've, I've heard I that got, they were really really hard like I was terrified, and of course, I'm knocking on wood because I got ten more. They're gonna cl- that are gonna hatch in like a week, so I may be like, I'm doing well, and then just get like hit with a chair from behind. So, um, but yeah, I have one that is on button coil. That one. <laughs> so, um, but that one was kind of reluctant to feed, and then I just kind of showed it the quail, and it's like this: the, the baby went from like not giving a damn all over the place to like locked in in like five seconds, slow tongue flicks. And then it was on it. So it's now had everybody in all seven babies have now at least had two meals. There are a couple that have had three, but yeah, they're rocking and rolling. Oh, that's pretty. Are you breeding them just like you would breed carpets? Like same type of regiment? Yeah. Yep. 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 Same thing. Um, they get a night drop year round. Uh, it just is not as harsh. In the wintertime, because that usually goes from like 84, 85 hot spots to like 80. You're goddamn right I do. (laughs) Um, To like 80 and then at night. And then in wintertime, it kind of drops to close to 70. Um, And then uh, introductions and it did not take much. So you do it the exact same way. So really, technically, rough scale pythons is a mirror. It shouldn't be any harder than a carpet to breed. Or is that yeah. wrong? Yeah, I, I didn't find any. I I didn't find any really hard issues. It wasn't like um, I think it wasn't the like hardest a white part lip. is getting them eaten, right? Right. I think the hardest part is babies, which 
if you have enough bullets in the gun, you get through it. Cause like I have three of these guys are eating. I'm sorry. Two of these guys are eating live. One is eating frozen thawed. Uh, couple, uh, two of the, two of the other ones or three of the other ones are eating ones with chick down and then one's eating button quail. So it's like, you kind of got to find what you take, what do you eat? What's going on? And then now that everybody's feeding, you just keep feeding them. And then as they grow, you start messing with it. Like I only had, I had a really, really small litter of mice last two weeks ago. I only had two babies. So that's how I got the one to eat frozen thought is I didn't have any live to give him. And I'm like, well, take a shot. And he did it. So now no more live for him. It's just frozen thought. Yeah, I find the whole, uh, like the, the cool. recipe for breeding carpet pythons seems to work for so many things. Like this year was my first year breeding spotted pythons. They were identical mm. as carpets. This year and last year I did anthill really? python. I did them the same way as carpets, no problem. The year, uh, last year I did angolan pythons and I did them the exact same way. They're in my room. They all go down identical and I bred angolans identical as a carpet python and I got them to go as well. So I feel like it's probably a recipe that works for the majority of, of, uh, of pythons. Maybe I'm wrong. Obviously, there's some that aren't. But anything that is somewhat related, and you take an Angolan python, which is not from anywhere close, but it seems to be a similar environment to a certain degree, and it seems to work. I don't know. I just find it interesting because I didn't change a thing for yeah. spotteds, for pygmies, for carpets, for Angolans, and they all went no problem. I, I found the same thing, and then I had to change things up for bread lie, and then I had to, but bread lie got me olive pythons and white lips. So the same kind of treatment got those. But the bread lie would be like the, the winter spring breeder. Then you could take the spring breeder recipe and put tons of animals through that. Like mm-hmm. you would do, you could do your inlands, you could do your diamonds, you could do your Bredley, you could do, I'm sure you could find other species that would be slightly colder pythons. Like it makes you wonder, like probably bolins, but bolins are an even like deeper, but they like, you never know. But I feel like there's certain recipes that we found that seem to really work for a lot. And the carpet Python method seems to work for a lot more than just carpets. I, I have full intentions of yes I I've been trying water python at the carpet python method. Um, I think this year I'm going to be very mean to my water pythons and kick them out with the bread lie method and see what happens. So yeah. I think the Indo stuff is probably I think the Indo stuff similar. Needs it. Yeah. I think yeah. the I think like I think if you look at the scrub complex, they seem to need that other male. You know, mm-hmm. that, like another male involved in the in the whole situation um i think if you probably did bolens that way you would probably be successful the problem with that is when they're what ten thousand dollars a piece you, you can't really mess around with it yeah you don't want to find your mails. mails just to- yeah i i uh <laughs> i keep yeah. hearing that timor pythons need like you need to feed the female to the point where she like almost throws up or does throw up like and they need that massive intake of food before breeding season is what I've heard. And I guess that would make sense, right? They're on an island. You know, this is the only time that the food source is here. Of food at a certain yeah. time of year. Blah, blah, blah. And it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it's, again, that's, that's cool still, then. I'm going to try spotted stew, so. There yeah, are, I'm going to try did nothing <laughs> different, but like, it's all part of the same recipe. Like right now, I'm going through my freezer. I think I've emptied it twice in the past month. I'm feeding like crazy. Like I'm, 
I've been really sparse and now I'm just like packing it on because, you know, in about a month, a month and a half, you're done. Yeah. They're not eating yep. for five, six months, right? So it's, yep. but that is mm-hmm. still the same recipe. If you're doing that, even with your team where it's the same idea, we pack the crap out of them right before breeding, make them think that food is plentiful. It's a good time to, to reproduce and blah, blah, blah. Like it's, I feel like it's all the same recipe to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. It's just that like this year, I, I say I'm going to take it easy this year, but I did. Um, <laughs> I did look at. I did put in all the cl- all the clutches that I was going to do, and it's still like 22 oh, clutches. God, dude, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> it's most of it's Collierbred. It's like what there are two are carpets. Doing? There are like two carpets. All right, everything else is Collierbred. But um, oh. shut up. Anyway, <laughs> he's a glutton for shut punishment. Up. Man. Shut up! Right? I didn't. I'm not happy about it either. So it's. But I, I keep having to calm it down because I'm I'm they're eating and I'm feeding and it's like well I got all year to you know to to feed you guys I don't have to put weight on you guys this bad so you kind of got to take a couple steps back. Yeah, my, my rule is I'm do curious, I have Dom, babies like, the year before? Sorry. Mm, yes. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was just going to say my my rule is if I have babies left from the prior year, I'm not breeding that again. I yes, so, I agree. Sorry, go ahead, Eric. No, I, I agree with you. Yeah, that's what I keep trying to tell this guy over here. But I don't, <laughs> I don't do back to backs. It's you know, it, it's yeah. the um, uh, that's the problem is I have enough shit that I can do other things. Like it's I got other pairings I could try, so right. I don't do back to back. I was going to ask. I'm curious, right, with your breeding regime that you're doing and your approach. What do you think is the most important part of the whole thing? Um, temperature. I think it's everything. Temperature. Yeah. So I think it's the number one. And uh, like, well, it's everything, right? There's four or five huge triggers, but temperature is the number one. I always go down to about 64, 62 if I can. And I find that like everything goes. And my experience is the people that go down to 70, 68, not everything goes. And like, that's the difference between having 11 out of your 12 pairs go than four out of 12 pairs go. And a lot of people say some go, some don't. I think if you go down low enough, you're going to hit it. You don't need to. And a lot of people are scared to go a little too low with carpets because they're, they're so prone to our eye. Or if you have anything bad in your collection, that's going to bring it out. Right. But, um, I think that's the number one, the number two, I would say is probably like feeding the crap out of them the last month before that probably really helps. And I think light has a lot of things to do with it. The day cycles, I think the light cycle is another huge trigger. It's when you compare Mm -hmm. like, uh, the day of a 12 hour days, like, you know, in the summer, the sun comes up at seven and goes down at nine, 10. Compared to winter, it's up at seven yeah. and it's down at five, four thirty sometimes even. And then, so I've always been a big fan of the um, the uh, ergonomic timers or whatever the ones that follow the the regular cycle of the day. So you just plug yeah. it in. You say, "I'm in this part of the sure. earth," and it's going to slowly shorten the day by a minute and a half every day until it gets to winter, and then it goes back up. So I've always done all my lighting in the entire cage for the past forever on those. And I think it really does make a difference. I think light, food, um, well, uh, temperature. I'm trying to think of what else would make a big difference there. Temperature. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Do I, you I, notice any? Um, I'm, I'm curious 
lockups when you have storms come through oh, or anything like huge. that? It's, it's everything. It's everything. Yep. So, and it's not necessarily yeah. when the storm is there. It could be the 12 hours before the storm. So, because if you start checking mm-hmm. barometric pressure, it's barometric pressure. There you go. It seems mm-hmm. to change before. Like you, you see a huge shift in it, and usually that's what it is. So, whether it's rain or whether it's snow, yeah. um, it makes. I, I think right. it, it's huge, and that's got to be. I mean, I don't get why. I have no mm-hmm. idea why, but it, it does make a difference. Right. So that I one. I that maybe. The- I don't. We could sit here and speculate that like it makes them feel safer. I mean, there's a reason. Um, uh, you know, uh, when my wife was working with with horses in college, if there was a storm coming, they knew all the foals were going to be on the ground by morning because that's just how it would work. So I don't know if it just animals feel safer when there's cover or a storm or whatever. So um, yeah, I guess that does make sense, right? You, you're not. You, I mean, they're not. Are probably not really going to be out per se yeah. when it's raining yeah. like that. You know, or when yeah. it's raining, it's covering the smell. Yeah, I'm with you. It's- yeah, yeah. That's true too. Yeah, I don't know. It's a weird one. I don't it's know how to cosmic it. octopus. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just we, we we don't understand it. We just try to replicate it as best we can. Um. So did yep. we? Do you want to hit on the ocelot? Yeah, yeah stuff for sure. As, uh, so closing it out as we come up in the end. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So ocelot is a gene that's okay. not the same to me as what's in um, in coastal. Mm-hmm. So when I talk about ocelot, it has nothing to do with the coastals. Uh, I would say to me what an ocelot is, is instead of being a zebra, it's an extremely busy uh-huh. zebra instead of just a, a normal zebra. And uh, I think in Australia, they call them freaky zebras. I don't know if you've ever seen those. Like the zebra is considerably yes. <laughs> busier than a normal zebra. And then the second yep. thing is it's got a bullseye almost everywhere. So you always have circles dot in the middle circles dot in the middle everywhere throughout the whole snakes but it's busy busy patterned everywhere if you you know you've got little crosses and and a lot of broken fragments but you've got these round circles with dots in the middle everywhere so that's what i in my opinion looks like an ocelot i don't know who termed that who coined that term i've just seen it pop up in a couple of collections there's a couple of guys in europe that have them and i've seen them but Basically, I've managed to, I had maybe four or five pop out of one clutch. And I mean, there was, if I counted mm-hmm. the circles, like the full circle with a bullseye down the middle, you'd have 50% mm-hmm. of the snake that was like that. So it's very prominent. Cool. So my big thing was, what is this? Why is it popping up? And where did it come from? So I just started, I raised up a lot of the babies and I did a lot of inbreeding <laughs> in order to see mm-hmm. what caused that. So I wanted to breed back to the father. I wanted to breed a, a daughter back to the mother and I wanted to breed uh, brothers and sisters together, right? To see what would happen. So um, ocelot to ocelot, there's no such thing as a super of any kind because it makes nothing like that. So that was just, I was curious and I couldn't get anything that was any different than that. That mm-hmm. being said, every right. single zebra that is that came out of an ocelot to ocelot were all ocelots. Okay. So there was no normal mm-hmm. whatsoever, and you can the, the uh, just a zebra to an ocelot zebra. I mean, it's very distinguishable. There's just a regular zebra pattern, like any any weird pattern you want to call is a zebra pattern. But there's no circles with dots in the middle. Circle dots. So when you would breed ocelot to ocelot, and I've done a total of three 
pairs. Uh, and I mean, each pair had, I think the lowest one had nine, one had 20, another one had 18. And mm-hmm. one of those clutches, uh, is the one that Shan Melanson did. So, but they're from the original baby from me and, um, every single ocelot produced all, all the zebras had ocelot zebras only. There was no normal zebras. And then the second thing is then my next question was, what about the normal jungles? And if I look at the normal jungles, I'm, I sold them all as jungles and as normal jungles. That being said, they are not normal. They don't <laughs> look normal. And there's the pattern on the sides. Instead of having the perfect bands everywhere on the side like a jungle normally has, their bands are often washed out or broken up. And some of them have circles on the side. Multiple circles. But there's no circle with the circle on just the dot in the middle if that makes sense so a lot of the jungles are coming out with very bizarre weird pattern that are not i don't know i I can send them to you if you want on uh on messenger just to kind of give you an Mm. idea sure um sure but that was the one thing i've noticed is that when you do ocelot to ocelot you're getting a lot of those very very bizarre um patterned animals which was interesting but i'll be honest i didn't hold any of them back purely because I have too many okay. holdbacks and I don't <laughs> feel I don't feel like experimenting to see if there's anything special going on there. I know that right. I probably could, but um, give me a second. I'm just going to, because I can't do three things yeah. at once, I'm going to just forward it to you right away. Eric, Eric. There you go. Okay, so you can take a look at it when you get a chance. So if you look at the pattern on the side, you really see that there are dots and the side is faded out. And that's just a normal jungle, but it just doesn't look like all the other ones are perfectly banded is the best way I can say it. Okay. Uh, then I did the pairing back to the father. If you did an ocelot back to the father, I had multiple ocelot zebra, but I had a mm. lot of normal zebras, which was interesting. So now I had, that was the first time I could produce normal zebras without it, but only once I didn't do ocelot to ocelot. And I said, I tried ocelot to the mother and the same results as well. So hmm. if I bred an ocelot to a normal, I had both. I had ocelots and I had normal zebras. So I don't know. To me, it's if a gene is reproducible, it is, but it doesn't really follow a incomplete dominant gene because to me, an incomplete dominant gene would have a super form, which it doesn't seem to have, uh, unless we don't really notice it. Like if you take super caramel and caramel, it's just accentuated form but i don't see the accentuation um and it doesn't seem to be breeding like a recessive so i don't know i don't know what your thoughts are but that's i did a total of six pairings and and i mean i don't really know how else oh and wait and i did one pairing which was an ocelot zebra to Mm. a line that was a german jungle pure german jungle that has nothing related to anything of my entire stock so just a German, and I bred her to her to see, and I got, again, half zebras and about half ocelots in that pair, which was really bizarre. So I, I don't know what it means. I just think they're really cool. It's kind of like the – I don't think it's the same as the freaky zebra in Oz, but their zebras are extremely patterned, and mm-hmm. these ones are extremely heavily patterned. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of um, back in the day, there was some jungles that um, were the opposite, where it's like you sort of have these uh, white 
uh, centers inside the mm-hmm. the circle, if you will, not white, but like the the base pattern, the base color uh, is inside the circle, where it was the same type of thing, but the the circle inside the ring was black. Mm-hmm. You remember those, Owen? Yeah, I do. I, I, I those are some of my favorite. Them and the fifty fifties were some of my favorites. Because it was just kind of, I, I always liked the jungles that had more black. Oh, look at that zebra! Good mm. gravy. So, okay, I just <laughs> I, if, if you want to share it, go for it. I just uh, I don't have Owen's uh, messenger there, but so those yeah. are those are examples of zebras, right? So those are ocelots. Do you see what I mean by the round pattern yeah. with the dots, yep. right? Yeah, and those yep. are did, did you could see him, Owen, or did he share? Mm-hmm. Them? Yeah, oh, I, I actually, so, yeah. So they're they're gorgeous, like gorgeous, yeah. gorgeous pairs, right? And it's very obvious to tell when they're ocelots. To me, it's just they don't look like anything like a normal zebra. Right. Um, so I don't know. And see, the, the nicest pairs that I've bred that became, that did super zebras, mm. there are silver super zebras, and the uglier pairs produce these brown super zebras, which is just another interesting fact, which I don't mm. know why, but... You know what's kind of crazy? It kind of looks like the neck on that one zebra that the 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 one that's yellower. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um it almost looks like a stonewash pattern. Almost, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Look at that head stamp. It's like I mean, it's nuts. It's like a it's like the the uh ri- it's like the ribbon for breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Kind of like outlined with yellow it's wild man that's crazy but wow and you didn't keep these back oh yeah no these are the those are one of the main breeding pairs oh, so that okay. that had those are those are breeding well you can see them they're locked up in there. where they came from yeah gotcha yeah. so no those are one of the wow. breeding pairs that i uh, that i did and it, just to give you an idea like they're freaking gorgeous looking but mm-hmm. when you look at it and you look at the zebra pattern it's unmistakable the 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 round circle of dots i don't know how else to call it what to produce it but it's a it's reproducible now is it would you call it polygenic would you call it i don't know but i can tell you that Mm -hmm. if i breed it if i breed an ocelot looking zebra to an ocelot looking zebra i get a hundred percent ocelot looking zebra but if you bred a tiger wonder, to a tiger, you'll get all tigers, right? Yeah, that's what yeah. I was just going to say. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's probably a polygenic type of situation. Wow. Man, it just shows me how much refinement you could do with a zebra. I mean, I know this yeah. has this ocelot thing going on with it, but, like, man, the potential to sort of mess around with zebras with patterns. You could go darker. You could go more yellow. You could do a pin, you know, thinner patterns and well, the ocelots, I think, kind of like add part to it, where it's like it kind of adds yeah, a different aspect. Yeah. <laughs> right, it adds a, it adds a different aspect instead of yeah, just these cool. lightning bolts coming down the snake. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's yeah. wild. Man. I don't know. I thought it was just really cool. I went pretty heavy on jungles this year purely because I wanted to know what it was or mm-hmm. where it was going. Right. And um, yeah, I mean, my goal is then to put more German bloodline in there because the Germans, uh, the German bloodline of jungles is incredible. Like that, the, the yellow is so deep and so beautiful. Like the babies that I, so that female was bred to a German jungle, that really bright yellow one. And mm-hmm. it's incredible. Yeah. Their babies are just incredible. And I kept back the ocelot oh, zebras of that. So, um, 
And I'd say out of all the carpets in, in Canada, jungles, I, I can never hold on to any of them. And I produce probably about 60 jungles or so this year. And uh, they were all gone pretty much instantly. As soon as I wanted them gone, I, everybody wants them. It's such an easy sell, right? Everybody wants the bright and yellow. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's the contrast is just insane, you know? So it's like, it's, yeah, to your point, it's such an easy uh, thing. The only thing that's not easy is to sell them when there are babies at a show. You know, that's not yeah. easy. Yeah, they got you got nobody, Nobody's going to believe that they're going to turn into a yellow unless and black. You, unless you bring the adults and are okay with all day, every day being asked if you'll sell the adults. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. true. Eh? Not mm-hmm. me. <laughs> I'll give you 300 bucks for the else. Yeah. Bite me. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> I've done that where people, um, I bring a female bread lie, uh, my big adult female and people are like, how much for her? I'm like, weird. It says not for sale. Like it's right there. She's not for sale. What the always, babies are. How do you price an adult breeder female? Right. You look at, you can look at a snake, you yeah. buy it for 400 bucks. When you have an adult breeding female, that'll pop out. Let's say even a tiny clutch of 12, 15 eggs, those yeah. small little clutches, man. Do you know how many four or five hundred bucks that snake can make you every year? I yeah. mean, like, how yeah. much is an adult breeding female in her prime at four or five years old that can breed for another ten years easily? I don't know. I feel like there is no price on a female like that, and there's a reason Priceless. why. Yeah, right. Yeah, it can make you a few thousand bucks easily every year. But, but isn't it's that hilarious? Me. That like right now. Right now is always when you start seeing the want ads that I want like an adult female ready to breed or proven <laughs> breeder and I have two hundred dollars. So I'm like, well, you aren't getting it. And like I don't know where you're gonna find it, or it's not gonna be good. Oh so, wait, wait, wait. I've gotten them all ready for you. Here, have it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, please take her. I don't yeah. I'm raising them up slowly. I, oh, thank so God you said so. You. I, I've just been waiting for you to come take this female that I took four years to raise. Yeah, no. Uh, oh, Jesus. People. <laughs> people. I send people. I send more animals because I've gotten to the point now where there's several animals that I don't necessarily need. And I just keep sending them on breed loan with people because – Again, I don't know what the price is for them, and I almost want to keep them semi-close in case I ever do need them, or they produce something awesome. Go get it. Yeah. Yeah. So as we're slowly, do you kind of have an idea of what you want to do this season? What's your most anticipated pairing? What do you want to do? Most anticipated pairings. Uh, Let's see. Uh, definitely coastals. Coastal is the one thing I really love, and um, I had the hardest time finding tigers. I finally got the one tiger, so I did. I produced some tigers this year, but this year okay. I'll be putting again my Exanthic Super Caramel mm-hmm. to that's the male, and he's going to breed again the, the Tiger Caramel, and I'm also going to put him to my Tiger Caramel Hypo. So it's the first time cool. I'll breed hypo, okay. which I think will be a disaster because I'll not be able to figure out what has hypo in it because <laughs> everything, everything, half of the clutch is going to be caramel, half of the clutch is going to be super caramel. Right? How do you know the the half that's got hypo? I have no idea. I think it's going to be a disaster. But yeah, I, I am looking. For, I, I think the brightest of the brightest will be super caramel hypos. That's my opinion. So. Yeah. I, I have that only because the hypo gene, in my opinion, is one of the nicest genes out there. So I've been wanting to do it. Um, except for that, um, breeding pygmies again, breeding 
uh, Spotted's again. Uh, I think I'm going to do Angolans again this year, or it's going to be my buddy Shan, which uh, we we always move him from a year or two one place to the other. Um, except for that, I'm going to definitely do snows. So the male mm-hmm. that was too small last year is very, very big this year at three. He's three and a half now. So mm-hmm. there's really no reason for him not to perform. And he's got two girls. So I really would love to produce the snow. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that's really wild. I think, uh, uh, I can try for the first time for, uh, albino granites, not albino mm-hmm. granites, sorry, for, for, um, exanthic granites. Cool. Um, okay. That's uh, I'm not that excited because I've been trying for that for about nine years. <laughs> only. <laughs> and the only reason it took this long, well, the only reason it took this long was because my my double head was never double head, so Uh-oh. it was only head exantic. Uh-oh. So it really slowed down the process. And that I'm nine years later, and I've got I've got like the the gene and the head of the other one now ready in both sides. So. But nine years later, I okay. just want to see the goddamn <laughs> just, just, just do it. Yeah. yeah, and then <laughs> I'm probably going to say perfect, and then sell everything. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep. so that, um, I I don't know. It's kind of like every year it's a little bit better, right? So um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like you, you hold back the nicer. Um, I I keep a lot of the pure stuff. Like the coastals, everything is pure in there. Um, my the coastals and the jungles are the two things i'll breed again a lot of jungles but i don't think there's anything I'm trying to think i'd love to breed inlands inlands is like the one um my um my rough scale pythons are not yet ready yet they're three and two years old three years old for the females so she's she's probably a good five feet but i i don't think i would pair her mm-hmm. yet mm-hmm. what do you think four years five uh, four years four years is fine for them and you know what if there's no harm in delaying it because then you'll just get a bigger clutch and she'll be healthier for it. So four, I think, is the minimum. Um, if you were a male, I'd say chucker. If, yeah. if, if it were a male, do it. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. but for a girl, four. Um, four. Okay. Yep. Interesting. Yep. I got um, – I'm, I'm redoing all their cages downstairs Uh like right now, like I'm putting rock crevices in and all this other stuff. It's going to be, I'm really happy. And then of course I have my army here that will slowly, um, expand, uh, two of them have to go to Eric. Um, but you know, it'll be all right. They don't have to. Yes, they do. Get them out. Yes, they do. I finally have, I finally am able to like even the scales a little bit, Yeah, (laughs) you know, it's kind of nice having that one person that you bounce all your snakes off of or that you get their stuff, they get yours, and et cetera. And like, it's, like, it's, uh, yeah. Well, I, I mean, in the next, uh, what is it, not not next year, year after, I should be able to try Angolans because I have Eric's female and then my male is just like slowly trying. He's trying to play catch up. His Angolan just exploded. Um, and then uh, Timor's is another stuff like that. So like, like – uh, and then I think hopefully in the next year or two, I'll be able to get Eric's ring python that he gave me off the bench too. So yeah, he keeps sending me stuff. The one thing that surprised me about Angolans is yeah. uh, when they hatch out, it's insane how huge they are. Like yeah. it's such a big snake. Like it could literally eat an adult mice coming out of the egg. Like there's, it's, uh, it's I'll, really, yeah, it's like olive python size. Like, you know, yeah. they're, they're big babies. It really surprised me. Like the eggs are gigantic. It's, awesome. 
that's pretty impressive. I guess that's uh, <clears throat> they're they're uh, closely related to African rocks, right? So I guess yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward <laughs> to it. I think they're going to be they're going to be fun to they're cool fun snakes. to go. Yeah, they're cool snakes. I like them a lot. You can easily Thanks. count the eggs and the females when they're the when they're being grabbed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's awesome. I uh, uh, next year I'm kind of looking forward to because we're going to spend. It's going to be a lot of white lips and um, other non Morelia stuff, and then the year following is going to be back to Morelia stuff. But then a bunch of other things is then old enough to breed, so it'll be fun the next couple of years. Cool. Yeah. If I can yeah. uh, pass the cool. suggestions for uh, a future show for you guys, you should bring uh, mm. somebody that really loves and really wants to deep dive into uh, pygmy pythons. I'd love to hear all about it because you know what? There's almost no information on it. And uh, I am going absolutely nuts trying to feed those things. They have been the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst. And uh, the really? only show I ever found from you guys are really anywhere is a show from about eight or nine years ago with Don Patterson that goes into it about how he would... And there's only about five minutes that he talks about how he goes half Greek yogurt, and then two days later he goes force-fed mice tail, and then keep going back and forth, back and forth for a year. That's basically what he says. And it, like, it, I mean, we could try to... I think we know a guy who really loves this kind of stuff that we can have come on. Yeah, I've he wrote a book. I've talked to him a few times. He's not giving up much more than than just everybody else that says. But I don't know. I feel uh, like there's got to be something more to it. He will horrible. for us. Yeah, they're horrible. <laughs> he, they're he, horrible. He he will for us. We know where the bodies are buried, so it'll be yeah. fine. Yeah, don't worry. We'll get it. I don't know. There's I don't no. Know who else really? Who else really does pick me pythons? I can't think cool. of like. Oh yeah, man! They're like, awesome snakes. But nobody I love my pygmy pythons. There's not many people that breed them. It's really like my question is: they're not hard to breed. To me, it's how to yeah. raise them. Like I'll, I'll be honest. Like so, the first year I got them last year, I got seven beautiful babies. Seven beautiful babies hatch. Seven beautiful babies didn't eat. Seven beautiful babies were force fed for a very long time. Seven beautiful babies died. So I don't know. It was the most frustrating yeah. event. Like just one after the other, and they. Like out of about a, the four or five month range, they didn't make it this year. I I, I struck a deal with a friend, um, and I told him, "You take them all. If you can make them survive, you can get a pair." And mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you know what? They're all. I think uh, I don't know how we've got seven or eight, and they're all alive, still eating, and they've got over twenty five or thirty meals in them right now. But Jesus. none of them are eating on their own. Oh, right? so. And my understanding is you're force feeding them for up to a year, which then, you know, you end up going like, how much is a snake worth? I don't want it. I don't want it. But but they're all like that. Yeah, I know. It's it's, why it's it's why I don't do blackheads. Yeah. But I just don't I just don't get it. Like there's ah, sorry. Go ahead. Did Well, I was going to say, did you ever think about feeding them like a like a gecko or something? I've. um I've tried a lot of uh, the skins, and I've gotten a few ripped off tails. And I've also uh-huh. bought, uh, I've tried the anoles. Anoles was the only live thing that I could try, the really small little tiny brown anoles. And mm. uh, none of that worked. And even after they died, I tried the tails, I tried the legs, I tried the mush, like, blender on other things. Oh, man, and you all did that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've tried a lot of different things, and... It doesn't go in. It, the weird thing is you open their mouth and you put the, the, the mouse or the tail or whatever it is, the lead on your hand completely right away. 
Like I've got, like they will eat right on your hand and they'll go for it, but they'll never pick it up on your own. It's like, uh, anyway, I just think it'd be cool if you guys had somebody who's really deep into it, really deep dive. I don't know, just a thought. Cause I think in 10 years, you guys have talked about it for 15 minutes. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Yeah, we gotta we gotta somebody. find somebody. Yeah, <laughs> I will hunt this. Mm. I wonder if Ryan Young. Uh, did Ryan get pygmies? Yeah, he's produced pygmies. I don't know. I don't. I don't. It, yeah, it's not what I. Challenge it's not what accepted, I get, sir. I will it's not what I pressure you, Ryan for. Yeah. Your pygmy info, and because I need it too. <laughs> yeah, eventually, you know. <laughs> I like it. And now you're now you're making me regret. <laughs> like, uh, once they're, they're established, so once they're established, they're amazing. They're the easiest snake yeah. to take care of. Like and they're they're yeah. tame. They don't bite. You've got no issues. Like it's their feeding response is just like I, I've had zero issues. They're the greatest little tiny snake. I mean, the fun thing is you can fit them in anything. Like you don't mm, need any big yeah. enclosure. They're freaking. They're they're less. They're two feet or less. Right. So they're amazing. You yeah. can have a lot of them, and they wouldn't take any room. But you got to get them to that point. So yeah, anyway. it's like I've seen people mm. where they have like the female on a clutch of eggs, like basically yeah, it's, in their it's hands. in your hands. You know, it's it's nuts. That's the, nuts. the the babies are garter snake sized. It's it's scary. Jesus. Yeah, Ryan. So when I first took a shot at them, I I got a I got one from Ryan, and he sent it to me, and it was a year old. And when that thing came in, and I, I uh, open up the box, and I'm just like, "This is a year old." Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's been like what? <laughs> it's crazy how small they are. Yeah, Jeez. and then holding a retic in your other hand, you're like, "What?" <laughs> uh, uh, a baby pygmy could live inside a retic egg for the first like year of its life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. Aunt Teresa did it. Oh, maybe Peter Birch. Maybe Peter Birch. Yeah. We will. Get we will find somebody. Maybe, I get part a, of it. maybe we get a roundtable pygmy python. We'll go show. go to annoy them all. Uh, yeah, no. that would be pretty cool. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, Just yeah. don't forget to dedicate it to me. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll make sure that you know that'll be part of the episode. Yeah. Yes. Uh cool. All right, man. I don't know anything else you want to hit on before we before we jump off. Uh, I don't know. I think we chatted about the things we wanted to chat. It's always yeah. great mm-hmm. talking snakes. Cool. So I'm happy. Yeah, yeah man. Absolutely. All You're right. Welcome. All right. Cool. I guess uh, with that being said, we, we did want to, sh- to shout out the uh, Canadian Reptile Breeding Expo. It was in Toronto, and it's 916 and 917, two days. So if you're listening to this and you're from Canada up in that area, you can uh, check that out. So cool. That's the cool. biggest show in Canada, right? It is, and it probably doesn't compare to the smallest show in the States, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. So, yeah, the, uh, I, I still want to get out to the West Coast to see some of those big uh, super shows and stuff. I can't imagine what that's like. Hey, uh, we, I get to bid on my vacation starting next week, so I'm going to make sure I get off for uh, Daytona, and then we got to start booking We're have to tables. Discuss. <gasps> tables yeah. trips yep yep i want to see a pygmy python in the wild <laughs> that's the what, what? Uh, the, you can't find that and well you might be able to find that in florida i don't know wa so, yes uh, yeah but all right man thanks a lot for uh coming and hanging out with us it's always appreciated and uh 
Yeah, what a, what an awesome season you had, and uh, yeah, we'll have to Thank catch you. up again next year. We'll yeah. uh, see how uh, how you made out. So anytime, awesome. Thanks cool. for having me on, guys. Awesome, totally, uh, um, absolutely. Good. So take us out. I, I guess the next thing we've got to talk about is that we got to go through the things. First is uh, subscribe to the Patreon, uh, subscribe to all the shows on the network. Um, go check out the Teespring store where we have uh, still we have Carpet Fest shirts and things like that up there. Uh, go grab those. Uh, go to Cold Blooded Caffeine to get all your coffee uh, and the NPR blend. Go to Cold Blooded Cafe to get your rats. Do not confuse the two. Uh, use code MPR10 at uh, on Cold Blooded Ca- Cafe to get 10% off of your entire rodent order. And that 10% off can be added to any deals that they're currently running. So if they say that they're putting 40% off rodents and you go and you can type in NPR 10 to get an additional 10%. So keep your eye peeled. They're always running uh, sales on things like that over there. So go check that out. Uh, I think that's it, right? Yeah, that's it. Yes. That's it. Okay, cool. Um, that's all we... I did it. I did a good job. That's all we good have job. for everybody this week. So we'll catch everybody back here next time for some more Marley Python Radio. Good night. Good night.